They talking all of this madness, talking all of this madness, talking all of this madness. They talking all of they talking all of they talking all of this. Hello, madness. everybody, and welcome back to another edition of the Perfect Edge. I'm your host, Ron Pashery. I am here with the mouth of the bout, the face of the heel, Don DiBiase, the whole effing podcast. Donovan, the lowdown Lloyd, no relation. Donovan, how's it going? Bring me Shinsuke Nakamura or bring me my title. (laughs) So Samoa Joe gets the win. We will get to that in one second. But before we do that, I just want to mention we have a very special guest later in the episode. She is an independent wrestler from the Garden State of New Jersey named Vanity. So stick around till the end of the show to hear that. Donovan, what are your thoughts on Samoa Joe getting the win? Yo, I'm so happy Joe won. Uh, so am I. I think, one, he deserved it. I think, two, he's one of those guys that's up there in age. I don't have a whole lot of time to really waste with him. And I know I've been dying to see him and Brock. This is, like, the first thing I've been excited to see Brock do in a while. So I'm pretty happy. Did you see it coming, or were you just more pleasantly surprised? I was definitely pleasantly surprised. I didn't see. I, they've been pivoting for Finn the whole time, so I was just like, oh, "Well, they're pretty much telling us who they're going to pick." And then you see uh, Finn going for the cover, and it's like one, two, and then you just see some arms slipping over Finn's head, and he's getting dragged off of Roman and choked out. I'm like, "Oh snap!" And then like he just goes out, and like, next thing you know, Joe's a winner. I'm just like, "Wow!" Like I'm like, "That's two pay per views in a row where good things happen." So. <laughs> I um, I picked Finn. I had no doubt that Finn Balor was going to win. I thought that's why they had Heyman put him over so strong the week before. But I really couldn't be happier that they went with Joe. Yeah, it just made me mad I didn't go. I mean, it's right in Baltimore. Yeah, it's not far from you at all, really. Uh, I mean, it's not even really that far from me. It's only like a 90-minute drive from me. Uh, did you regret not – you did regret not going after the fact? Yeah, I mean, even if, like – I mean, it wasn't a a, a bad pay-per-view. Uh, uh, part of reflection. But I definitely would have wanted to go. I mean, the Miz won, so that's that's um, a good thing. Shout out to Eric. And, um, <laughs> you know, Joe won, and that was definitely, like, a special moment. I wanted to be there to see that in person. Now – you mentioned Eric. Eric somehow within 60 seconds got a text from you, got a text from Derek, and got a text from Russ D, all trolling him about The Miz being the Intercontinental Champion once again. Do you feel like all is once again right with the world now that he is back as the Intercontinental Champion? Absolutely, because he's going to be able to do more with it. Um, no no slight to Dean. Um who uh I mean, you know, he's Dean, he's a good he's a good wrestler, he's a good guy. Um, but the Miz his character, the you know, him talking and just what he does, he he's able to me, um, at least, is able to do more with it. He's more vocal and, you know, just the things that he does, it's it he could do more with it than I feel like Dean was doing with it. Um and I've actually I put it out there, I forgot who I was talking to about it, but I actually would have rather like Bray Wyatt 
be the one going like at Dean for the title. Like I would have rather Dean lo- lose it earlier to to the Miz and then Bray step in and then do that and then Dean being that fatal five way because Dean's background of wrestling is like earlier in his career was like hardcore stuff and I feel like that would have been more ideal for him to do something hardcore. You know, because that match was a hardcore match, pretty much, and we didn't get much out of him and Brock. Uh, was it last year? Uh, last year, yeah, it was WrestleMania. And I feel like whatever ideas, you know, Dean had for that, he might have been able to get off somehow this year with four other people in the ring with him. Well, it's a good point, and uh, it definitely would have been something more for him to do. Like uh, that was one of my biggest disappointments from 2016, was that. Dean, I really thought that was going to be that night was going to make him a star against Brock, and it just pushed him all the way back down. So it would have been nice to see him get that moment, but uh, I was happy to see the Miz win the Intercontinental Championship, his seventh reign, and now allegedly, according to Jericho, that means he's going to come back and try to get one more IC reign under his belt. Do you see that happening? After the run Jericho just had, I don't think anybody would be mad with it um, at all. But I'm um, back to the Brock um, and Dean point. I, I'm kind of worried as far as the Brock and and Samoa Joe match because I still want Brock to Hulk Hogan this thing up and <laughs> you know make it something worse than what we what the fans want to see. I think he's got enough respect for Joe. I, you know what? I don't know that. I don't know anything about Brock Lesnar or the way he feels about anything. I would guess that between Paul Heyman and Brock himself, they have enough respect for Samoa Joe to go all out for this thing. That's kind of what I expect. Do you expect that, or are you more so worried that it's going to kind of turn out the way it did for Randy Orton at SummerSlam? I expect it. I just don't know what will be pitched to Brock and what he'll say no about. Um, but I mean, you you put Goldberg over twice in within the past year, dude. Like mm-hmm. you owe us, you owe us good matches. So let that happen. Like let what we want to see happen between you and Samojo because at this point you owe us like, cause you just gave us two lies last year and losing to Goldberg. So you owe us, Brock, give us what we want. Like don't hawk Kogan this thing up, please. Yeah. I I'm excited for it. I think it's going to be a good match. We officially now have the great balls of fire pay-per-view. Like it's, it's been advertised on WWE television. So now we know it is a real thing. Unfortunately, yeah, it is. <laughs> I mean, I'm not going to care what it's called if it ends up being a good show. Okay. <laughs> now, what was your biggest disappointment from Extreme Rules? Uh, biggest disappointment. I mean, I think altogether the show was... It was okay for the most part. I wasn't really mad at it. Um, uh, yes, I was. I'm lying. Um, mm-hmm. Because Sasha Banks was in a mixed tag match, and I feel like that was super unnecessary, super unneeded. Um, honestly, I would have rather her and Alicia Fox face off one-on-one 
and it built them too. Because honestly, to me, the more intriguing part of that match was those two going against each other. I could have cared less for Noam Dar and uh, uh, Rich Swan. Um, not not that they're not great wrestlers, but I, I would have. You know, I mean, you could have put them on in the beginning and have them go against each other, and then you know have Sasha and, and Alicia go against each other. I felt like that was more of the intriguing part of that match for me. So. Obviously, everyone knows that I was not thrilled with this whole thing. I understood the aspect of them trying to get some attention on 205 Live. But I just don't think that this did anything necessarily for her. Now, what do you think about her trying to tell everyone, like, hey, guys, I'm having fun, so leave me alone? Like, can you get I mean, behind that at all? Do you, do you not really buy it? I mean, if Sasha's okay with it, I'm okay with it, but it's not what I would want to see her doing. But, I mean, she's entitled to what she what she wants to do and what she's having fun doing. Um, doesn't mean we have to like it, but, you know, I, it is what it is. Like, we know her potential. We know what she's capable of. And if she wants to do something like that for whatever reason she wants to do it, it is what it is. Like, I'm not going to bash her about it, but... We know that she's capable of more. Does she, if she starts being on 205 Live with any type of regularity, would you be more likely to watch it or no? I would be viciously pissed, but I watch it anyway. <laughs> so you would spite watch it? I watch it anyway, so like I would see it. Oh, you're yeah. saying like I'm watching it regardless, so it doesn't matter if she's on there or not. Yeah, I already watch it, so I would just be very viciously pissed that she's on it. <laughs> oh, that's fair enough. Um. Yeah, I. I don't think she'd necessarily make me any more likely to watch it. Um, now, if what they were doing was good, then yes, I would absolutely be more likely to watch it. But that goes for the show in general. Like I've had people tell me, like Two Hundred Five Live is is getting better, which has intrigued me a little bit. And I've watched it. I've watched it a little more the last month than I had since it debuted in September. Um, I've only watched a full show from start to finish this past week because I was going to be on Falls Count Anywhere. I guess I might as well shout out Derek and Russ. Uh, check out so, Falls Count Anywhere. Um, to those guys. Good show, guys. <laughs> yes. Uh, but I, don't, I just don't think that she'd make me any more likely to tune into the show on a weekly basis. Uh, but one more thing from Raw specifically... What do you think about Corey Graves becoming more of a character on the show and kind of getting involved in the storylines? Um, I don't mind that either. Um, especially he's he's by far the best commentator right now, um, and he's probably had maybe the least experience doing it besides yeah. like Otonga, I guess. Who doesn't need to do it anymore, by the way. Um, <laughs> oh, you weren't happy to see him back? Hell no. <laughs> he can go back wherever he came from. And it's so bad because I'm watching it. Um, Extreme Rules, the panel show. My girlfriend's like, oh, that's uh, that's Jennifer husband's husband. I was like, yeah, unfortunately it is. And, <laughs> and I'm like, that's terrible that you know women are drawn in. Like, oh, that's such, such husband. It's like, yeah, but we don't want him there. Like, he, he can go somewhere where you guys can see him and, you know, you like him or whatever, or that layer of, like, so anyway, we're talking about better people. Um, Corey Graves, uh, you know, he's definitely like the best commentator on on the on the network right now, and um, he he definitely has a character. Like even like in NXT, like he's he's had a character. So 
Um, it's definitely evolved from what he was then. Um, but, you know, I think he speaks well. He definitely, you know, can add in, in in certain ways. I don't know how they're going to tie him into more things, but I'm not mad at it at all. I'm, I'm, I'm for it. I'm, I'm with it. I want to just, I just want to see what they're going to do with him. Yeah, I, I hope that they actually pay this story off into something. But I, I like that they at least are attempting something a little bit different from what we're used to seeing every single week. Like, it adds in a new thing. Like, I was actually watching the show, like, waiting. When is Corey Graves going to do something? I was actually waiting during Extreme Rules to see if Corey Graves is going to be involved in something. So, I definitely think it's interesting. It adds a little something to the show. And I say, I've say i said this about him numerous times. He's the perfect example of a guy who was handed lemons and he made lemonade. Like, he obviously wanted to be a wrestler. That got taken away from him due to a history of concussions. And now he's just become, like, arguably the best commentator in wrestling. Like, he's up there with anybody. I can't think yeah, of anybody I immediately put above him. Uh, JR, but, you know, that's about it. JR, Jerry King. Um, some people may debate him, maybe. Um, I would doubt it. I would highly doubt it. But, you know, it's, I could see if someone made a case, I could see how or why. But, um. Yeah, I mean, I wish I could say the same for Percy Watson, but I don't see that he's getting any better. So, but, no. He has not he's, gotten he's, any better. He, he's he, better than Otonga. But is he really better, or is he just not Otonga? He's better, because he, I mean, he, he says corny things, too, but it's not like... It's not like something where it's like he'll say something that's just, like, super obvious. Like, it's something where it's like... It's a like I don't know. It's just it's not like oh he's wearing blue trunks, like <laughs> stuff that old Tonga does. And it's like yeah, we can see that he's wearing blue trunks. Like it's like super obvious. So he's not as bad as Otunga. I think he's better than Otunga. Um, yeah, he, he, he yeah. You know what? Otunga you you may actually have a Jay. point. <laughs> you may have a point in that Percy, while he's not adding anything, he's not really making it. He's not really taking anything away from it. He's not making it less enjoyable to watch. And Otunga is actually making it less enjoyable for me to watch. So I guess I will give Percy the edge there. And that he doesn't make me not even really want to watch it anymore like Otunga does. Yeah, even though King Booker, even though <laughs> he has his slip-up sometimes with stuff that he says, you could tell like he's talking faster than what he's thinking sometimes. Yeah. It's more enjoy. It's way more enjoyable than Otunga, and even at times it's enjoy more enjoyable than Michael to me. So, um, you know, I, I I wouldn't mind King Booker staying there. I would much rather have uh, Booker on there every week. Uh, I think he, at least he's got a good energy. He's got a passion for it. I find him entertaining. He makes me laugh a couple times every week. So I would much rather see him be on there regularly than Otunga. I think I don't know why. Honestly, I don't know why they even took him off commentary, but I would prefer to see him stay on there as opposed to the alternative. Well, I think he's running a wrestling school too, um, so I think that that might have uh, veered his uh, interest a little bit for a while because I think he and a lot of his guys are actually like used sometimes as backstage guys for like you know security and mm-hmm. things like that. So hurt. So that's probably what took him away for a good bit of time. Well, that's as good a reason as any, then, for him not to be there. I just, I much prefer him to 
Otunga. I I don't know why he's on my screen every week. That's actually a big thing right now, though. A lot of the guys that have that, you know, knowledge and wisdom are starting their own schools. I know uh, Joey Mercury and uh, mm-hmm. uh, Lou Gallows are starting one. I know the Dudley Boys have started one. Um, a couple other people are starting to do the wrestling schools. I don't know if it's going to be, like, going forward all the way, but uh, or at least just for the summer. But I know a bunch of guys are starting to do the wrestling school thing. Seth has one, too. Oh, yeah. Seth has the, uh, what is it, the Black and the Brave? Yeah. Uh, I've been I've been wanting to get one of those T-shirts forever. I just never get around to ordering it. Um, I'm glad you mentioned been, it because I might buy one today. I've been buying crazy T-shirts from WWE shop. Uh you uh, you really have. You you're the only person I know with a Vaude Villains T-shirt. Yeah, I mean I've I've always liked the design. I've liked it. So uh, you know when I seen it on sale for five dollars, I'm like this is a steal. I'll get it. And they're not around anymore. So it's, it's instantly a retro shirt. Yeah, you got your vintage Vaude Villains t-shirt. Um, I actually just bought um, the retro uh, Austin 316 and the what shirt um, the other day. So I am a but, fan of the Austin 316 shirt. I'm not a fan of the what shirt, but that's only because I hate that the what chant is still a thing now. It is, but I, I actually, this is one of my highlights too, we'll get to it later, but I watched mm-hmm. a bunch of uh, of his promos earlier, and I watched the one with uh, with, with Austin calling out the NWO, mm-hmm. and Kurt Angle came out with security, and Austin just pretty much occupied the ring, <laughs> and, and didn't want to get out the ring, and uh, Kurt comes out in there, and he's you know trying to get in to get out the ring, and Austin's throwing beers at him. And, uh, you know, like literally launching beer from the <laughs> ring up, up to like the, the top of the, the Titan John, uh, the, uh, the ramp. Like, damn near hitting Kurt, like literally, like opening the can and then launching them up the ramp. Like. <laughs> so, uh, which is hilarious to me. And then, um, you know, Kurt comes down, he's like, I have an announcement, you need to get out the ring. And he's like, all right, fine. Like, since you don't get out of the ring, I'm going to make my announcement. He's like, he's like, he's literally treating him like a kid. Like, he just wants to touch the guys. <laughs> so, like, like, Austin is just sitting there, like, like with this crazy look on his face. And then, you know, he commenced to beating up Kurt. They, you know, arrest Austin, and, you know, so on and so forth. But, um, but I think, like, when he, when it was in that time that he was doing it, and it was a part of what he was doing. It was great, but I feel like now the crowd they do it to the point where it like it gets annoying for certain things. For some things, it's like okay, we get it. Then it's on other. A lot of the time, though, it's just being misused. It's just like overboard. Yeah, when Austin did it, it was funny because it was him being disrespectful to the person talking, which is how he was supposed to be. Now, yo, it was hilarious. Yeah, but now it's just the crowd being disrespectful to the person talking. And it's like, we're not supposed to be that way. I get booing. I get, you know, giving some heat to the heel or whatever or somebody you don't like. That's what you're supposed to do. But the what chant is just like you're disrupting what the person is trying to say. That's why I like when there's a handful of people that handle it really well. Like Stephanie, for whatever anyone wants to say about her. She talks right through the what chant. It it's almost like you don't even notice it. Oh yeah, she's not phased by anything that the that the crowd does. She's like the champ of of getting around that. Like Yeah, Alexa has it. gotten very good at it. Yeah, she's gotten good at it. Jericho's good with it, but mm-hmm. he's when he's heel, but as, as a face he you know, they're with him so it doesn't really matter. But when he's heel he, he definitely can get around it. Yeah, the thing that really pissed me off recently, a couple weeks ago on SmackDown, 
Nakamura was talking to Dolph Ziggler and a what chant started. It's like, are you kidding me that you're doing this to Shinsuke Nakamura? Well, that's just ignorance because he's, you know, Asian and, you know, he doesn't, his English is just super clear and that's just ignorance to me. Um, but, you know, whatever. Yeah, it, it really bothers me. It's it's one of my biggest pet peeves in the world of pro wrestling at this moment. Uh, Speaking I, I of ignorance, real quick, moment. sorry to yeah. cut you off, no, you're man, good. but I really want to I really want to squeeze this point in there. Um, yeah. uh, speaking on ignorance, um, varying from wrestling and just a little bit. Um, if you guys, well, you guys have YouTube. That's a free. Uh, <laughs> piece, but, um, <laughs> go on YouTube and look up Wong's World, Washington D.C. Um, it's a guy named Eddie Wong. He has a show um, where he pretty much like connects culture. Um, of different places through food and that episode where he's in his uh, his original hometown uh, of Washington D.C. Mm-hmm. He's um, they're filming during the time of uh, Trump's um, inaugurations and things like that. So he, there, there's a lot of the, uh, the the rioting type of stuff that was captured at that time. Yeah. A lot of the uh, the women's march stuff that was catch, caught at that time. And um, he has uh, two interesting conversations in the episode. One with um, a guy who is just like this super uh, strict Christian guy who I felt very offended by as a Christian. Um, and he was just like, um, he was just like bashing the gays and things like that. Like, which like, you know, I understand religiously, but at the same time, it's like, dude, like you're like, where's the love in that? Like we're called to love people. And you're just like, like outwardly bashing these people and not loving them at all. So why would they, you know, even listen to you or want to follow Christ if this is what you're doing? Right. And then there's another guy who I forgot his name. Cause I don't care to really know his name. <laughs> And um, he was he was just basically like a mini Trump. Like he was like, like he was like they were talking and like Eddie's just like bringing up points that he's saying and he's just like, not he's just dodging and he's like so like he's like he wants immigrants out too and da 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 da. He's like, well, do you realize that some of your ancestors may be black? And he's like, so what? And it's like, what do you mean so what? Like, you like do like your points like that he's bringing up to you you're not even sticking to them you're just dodging around you're doing what trump does so <laughs> right like you're not actually addressing what's being said to you no, you're just you're just dodging yeah you're right ignorance is uh is an annoying trait in people and that i not that this is on the same level but that's kind of one of the things that i like to do with Madness and with this network is everybody's got different points of view on wrestling. We all came from a different background. We all had a different upbringing. We all have had a different adolescence. We've all had a different young adulthood. You know, I'm further in years than everyone else on the network. So I've obviously had a different life experience than anyone else who's, you know, 10 or 12 or 14 years younger than me. But I try to embrace what's different about everybody, learn about what's different with everybody, and that's part of the fun. That's what leads to discussion. That's what leads to knowledge and learning is things that are different, things that you don't know yet. So closing your mind off and just shutting down into the first initial thought you have, it's not good for you as an individual, and it's not good for the people around you. So what did you say the, the guy's name was, Eddie Wong? His name is Eddie Wong. His the show. Uh, if you guys watch the show Fresh Off the Boat, it's about his life. Oh, I knew that name sounded familiar. So that is the actual actor. Yeah, well, he's not an actor. He's um, he's, he's or he's the he's who the show is about. 
Yeah, he's actually a okay. chef who owns a restaurant called Bauhaus in New York. Um, he's actually one of my favorite people. I have his books and everything. Um, he's he's just like a real, real dope guy, real, you know, just into different cultures, and he connects it through food, which is very interesting to mm-hmm. me. Um, but that episode, and the show is his great period. If you can catch any points of the show, like, it's great. Any parts of the show, like, it's great. But that particular episode was just like, people need to see this. Like, this is like... A very very good episode. I just wanted to put that out there. How many? How long has he been doing this show? Uh, I think he's like on season three or four, and he had something else that he had another like he he started doing something else before, but then like he got on Viceland and mm-hmm. they gave him that platform there to do it, and he's been doing uh, Long's World on going forward on on Viceland. So I think he's in season three. That's interesting. I've never heard of it. I'm familiar with that show, the uh, the, the sitcom anyway, uh, but I, I was not familiar with this YouTube show. It, it, it is specifically for YouTube, or it's like a web series? Well, I think they put some of the episodes on there. So it's actually on Viceland, but um, you know you can catch a lot of the, the extended clips and things like that on YouTube. So even if you catch an extended clip or if you can start, catch a full episode, which I think a good bit of the full episodes are on YouTube, just it's, it's it's an excellent show. Just you know, if you guys are interested, go and watch it. Check it out. Well, I know I'm interested, so I'll definitely check it out. I'm glad you brought it up. Uh, before we, well, I guess we could move on to. I know you said you watched the most recent episode of Lucha Underground. Was that the season premiere? Yeah, for uh, well, the the mid season premiere, which is a thing now for shows who don't know what's about, but you know. Yeah, I forgot that was a thing, but yeah, I think it started. Honestly, I think it started with Lost back in like 2006 or something like that, where people got mad during the second season that sometimes there'd be a new episode, sometimes there would be three weeks off, and people couldn't keep track of when a new episode was going to be on and when a rerun was going to be on. So what they did was they decided instead of you know putting them on intermittently throughout the year, we'll do six episodes in the fall. Then we'll take a break till February, and then we'll do the rest of the season from February through May. And I, I believe that that is where the mid-season finale and the mid-season premiere started. Don't quote me on that, because I don't know for sure if that's true, but that's the first time I ever remember seeing that happen or hearing about it. So this was the mid-season premiere. Yeah, allegedly, guys. Don't get lost, all right? Yeah. <laughs> so... Um, so um, yeah, so the, the the they pretty much picked up off uh, picked up where they left off um, in the the last part of the uh, the mid season finale, I guess. Yeah. Um, and it's uh, John Morrison versus the Mac in an all night long match, which is the Iron Man match for those of you who don't watch the show. Um, and you know these two just are going at it pretty much the whole duration of the show. Um, their friends get involved, and it's not like it wasn't like like oh my god like. Here it comes like somebody's getting involved. It was like it made it was meaningful. Like they got a good bit of like wrestling in, like probably at least a half hour or so of wrestling in just themselves before like people started getting involved. And when they got involved, like it made sense. Like you know, because uh, John, uh, well, Johnny Mundo, I'm sure you call him John Morrison, um, <laughs> and I probably already did. But um, Johnny Mundo, um, his uh, uh, PJ Black. Um, I think that's his name on there. I, God, stick with one name. Um, <laughs> he uh, he gets involved in, uh, and and it kind 
kind of makes sense. You know, he's kind of like he's not super dastardly heel, but like you know, it, it made sense for like him to be dastardly at that point to try to get more pins over on the Mac, and then uh, Sexy Star gets involved, um, and then two other people get involved. But I, it's, I'm drawing a blank on who it was at the time. I think was it? I can't think at the moment. I'm not gonna say anybody just to just to be sure. But um, it was definitely just a good match. Um, if you guys haven't watched it, go back and check it out. Um, it's definitely a good match. I didn't. I wasn't too sure how I'm, how you know interested I was gonna be in it, but mm-hmm. I, I watched the whole episode. I was definitely um, entertained and um, enjoyed it. Um, so it was definitely a good match. Um, and it, it didn't end uh, with the uh, actual winner. I think they tied. So I think they're gonna uh, have a regular match uh, this week's episode and um, or next week. Depend. I don't know when this episode is coming out, but within the recent week, um, and uh, they'll have a regular match and hopefully we see Pentagon Junior somewhere in the episode because that's my boy. Not to be confused with Preptagon Junior. Josh Aguina, correct? Not to be confused with him. Yes. So what? I'm assuming you were not watching Lucha Underground week to week when it was actually airing live in season one, correct? Uh, I think uh, I got I caught on to it kind of late, but I started watching it week to week once I once I caught on to it. Okay, so I I saw one episode. It was like towards the end of the first season. I had kept hearing about it on different podcasts and reading about it. People were writing about it on TJR Wrestling when I was writing there. And I checked out an episode, and I was like, all right, I have no idea what's going on storyline-wise. But it is kind of cool. It's different. It's a very different presentation. And I wanted to watch it and just never did. Now I feel like it's such an uphill climb to get caught up on it. How many episodes? I've, I've only seen three episodes from the first season. How many more do I have left to be caught up to where it is now? And you said what season are you in? I'm on episode three, the third one ever. Uh, you got a long ways to go. I mean, I'm pretty much, I'm like only like one episode ahead of you just because I don't, like, I really only get a chance to watch like that on the weekends and I don't have a lot of time to watch that on the weekends because a lot of times I'm catching up on stuff on the network, on WWE Network. So, but um, I don't know. I like that. I've seen a lot of the matches though, like on YouTube and things like that. Mm-hmm. Um, my favorite match, well, my favorite episode personally that I caught was uh, Pentagon. Uh, dark because I think he goes by that on there because it was some mix up or whatever with CML CMLL or whatever. Okay. Uh, um, he he faces uh the the Black Lotus Clan. It's these three women that are uh that are brought in by uh I forgot her name but uh, it's another female wrestler that he had an issue with and she brought in these three girls to pretty much attack him. And the whole episode, Pentagon wrestles all three of them in, in separate matches. And two, two or three of the girls—I'm not sure if all three are just two of them—but they're. I think they're going to be a part of the May Young uh, tournament um, this summer. Oh, really? Um, yeah, but they—they they definitely put on like they definitely put on a great show, like the whole show, like and you know it's different seeing you know women wrestling men, um, and it and not look like super corny or like super like all right, like you could tell like. Your bull crap in us right now. Yeah. So um, that that was that's my favorite episode thus far. I uh, yeah, it's like I made my my big Ronnie versus the world rant uh this past week for the first time, and it was about how I wanted to jump into indie wrestling, and I know Lucha Underground is not indie wrestling; it's just non WWE wrestling. I almost feel like 
if I start jumping into Lucha, it's going to get in the way of the other stuff that I want to watch. I, I'm not. I'm kind of at a loss on what to do. Where, one to ten, how important do you rate Lucha Underground in the grand scheme of the wrestling world? Um, I would say it's pro. I don't know if I would one to ten it. I would say it's probably number three or four. Probably four. Um, place to be in wrestling, maybe. So what do you um, put ahead of it? And that's. New Japan or Is WWE in there? WWE is. I mean, even though people, you could say what you want about it. That's number one. That's where everyone wants to be. Yeah. Like, regardless of, of what they say or what you know people think, like that's where everyone wants to be. So that's obviously number one. New Japan uh, or ROH uh, depends. They're interchangeable for me. Uh, I mean. If you wrestled, then you would know which one you would want to be at. But they're, like, definitely two and three. And then I would say Lucha is, is four. But I don't know. The independent thing is always a mix-up to me, too, because even though these, these, these places are – I mean, I feel like besides, like, ROH and New Japan, it, even in them, it's still, like, kind of weird to me because, like, I feel like if you're able to, like, book shows outside of those shows – Mm-hmm. And go wrestle elsewhere. I feel like that's still in, like you're still independent, like you're independent wrestling to me. And some people say no, that's not independent. That's not independent. But I feel like if your wrestlers are able to go and wrestle elsewhere outside of your company, I feel like that's you're indie. So if you don't, if you're not exclusive to that company, yeah, I feel like you're indie. Yeah, like you're indie company if you're if your wrestlers are able to go and wrestle elsewhere. Yeah, another weird thing. One one of the things, and you know, I've talked about my. Um, my feelings for NXT kind of waning over the most of the last year. And one of the problems I've always had is, like, it's supposed to be developmental, but you're bringing, bringing on all this talent that's, like, in their late 20s into their 30s. You're not developing people at that point. But is that kind of a testament that the indies are getting so good at developing talent on their own that NXT really doesn't need to focus so much on development? Well, yeah, I mean, it's pretty much the same thing that music is doing. Like, they're not going, they're not really, like, developing artists anymore. They're just waiting till artists get big enough where they can put the machine behind them if, if artists want to do that. Um, so it's pretty much the same thing relative to that. Like, it's easier to bring guys in that are already known and do that for your product. Because NXT isn't just a developmental territory anymore. Like, it's its, it's own entity now at this point. So it's like... Yeah, you could watch, you can develop guys and mix them in, but it's easier to have guys come in with names and then guys that you're, you're kind of building up to put them with them and, you know, build it that way. Because it's not just a developmental brand anymore. And I think we got to get out of that mindset of thinking that, like, it's a brand now, like, it's its own thing now. So they have to bring in guys that people know to get eyes on the show. Because, you know, if you got guys that you're building up, but they're not that great yet, like, people aren't, aren't going to watch until those people are great, especially casual fans. I hope that actually bleeds over into the field of media because if that's the case, you know, maybe we're, if it's all about becoming self-made before someone signs you to a record deal or being self-developed before you get signed to NXT or WWE, maybe that's what we're all doing here on the Matt Madness Network is becoming self-developed media personalities and then somebody's just waiting to snatch us up when the time is right. Do you see that happening for us? I mean, it's possible. I mean, look at Sam Roberts. I mean, I know you hate uh, you you hate these people, but Sam Roberts and and, and uh, what's his face, 
uh, Rosenberg. Yeah. I mean, they, they, they're two guys who have podcasts who got pulled on to, uh, to WWE. So, I mean, I think if we make enough, enough noise, it's, we definitely have enough personalities where we can branch out and do other things. So I think that's definitely possible. I hope so. It'd be kind of cool, actually. Um, so you mentioned earlier that you were watching some old Stone Cold Kurt Angle stuff. What else have you been watching on the network on the weekends when you have time to catch up? Uh, well, today I I was on YouTube quite a bit. Um, I definitely was watching um, a lot of Stone Cold promos, and I was watching a lot of Arn Anderson promos. Um, oh, you went old school. Be, yeah, I've always liked Arn, but I feel like I don't have enough knowledge, and I haven't seen a lot of enough of his matches like earlier years. I've seen like a lot of the tail end of like his WCW stuff. Um, but that's a that's a guy that right now that's I have a list right now of people that I'm specifically going to watch their matches. Um, and uh, it's uh, Rick Rude, uh, Dean Malenko, Arn Anderson, and I'm going to catch up on some more Mr. Perfect stuff. Mm-hmm. So those are like the guys right now that I'm specifically want to watch like their matches and um, get more knowledge on those guys because um, they they seem like guys that are like in my ilk of wrestlers that I like. And I like them. I just don't have enough to back why I like them. So, uh, well, Rick Rude definitely is somebody that belongs there. Have you seen his Iron Man match from I believe Bash at the Beach against Ricky Steamboat? It's on my list. I haven't watched it yet. Yeah, I, I would put that to the top of your Rick Rude list. That is probably my favorite Rick Rude match. I actually just watched it not too too long ago. Uh, I think it's a cool match. I think there's like a cool story that they tell in there. And it's interesting in... I almost felt like Rick Rude felt more important in WCW than he did in WWF. And I don't know if I'm just remembering that wrong. If maybe I was just so young when he was in WWF on his Intercontinental Championship run. But, well, he he was more important. He was a world titleist in uh, WCW, I believe. So I guess that answers that question right there. That would be what I'd put at the top of your list. Uh, do you have anything specific on your list for Mr. Perfect, or you just want to watch more? Um, I The only thing that I've uh, watched recently, I watched, um, and this is actually one, so I, I guess I'll start my matches and then I'll cover back around mm-hmm. to it. Um, my highlight matches uh, for this episode are uh, Halloween Havoc 97, um, two matches in particular, Eddie Guerrero versus Rey Mysterio mm-hmm. um, and Kurt Henning versus Mr. Perfect, if you don't know, uh, yeah. versus Ric Flair, um, which definitely is a, a good match. Um, and uh, WrestleMania 25, Shawn Michaels versus The Undertaker. And uh, WrestleWar 92, Sting Squadron versus The Dangerous Alliance. So, you know, if you guys uh, have the network, go check those out. But um, I, the only the, the thing that interests me the most that I wanted to watch for him, uh, for Mr. Perfect, uh, was him returning to 2002 Royal Rumble, which, in my opinion, may be the best Royal Rumble. Um, oh, uh, I think you you get some heat from Alo for that. Uh, well, I don't really care. But, um, <laughs> uh, I don't know. That's the one I've seen recently that I've enjoyed the most. Well, it may not be the best, but that's the one I, I've seen recently that I enjoyed the most. Let me let me draw that back. Um, <laughs> But, I mean, I still don't care what Ayla would think about that. But, anyway. Um, but uh, I wanted to, to kind of go back and see that. Um, 
And he actually stuck in there for the most of the remainder of the match. He was one of the, like the last four guys, I think. Yeah, he was there till um, the end. And he came in at 25, so um, I definitely was intrigued by that. Watching his um, his documentary for like the fifth time, um, <laughs> and went back and watched that. So um, the other matches um, that I watched, um, <clears throat> I was trying to make my way through uh, just to watch uh, How- Halloween Havoc '97, just to see mm-hmm. Eddie Guerrero versus uh, Rey Mysterio. But uh, after them, uh, Kurt Henning and Flair came on, so I was just like, "Well, I'm already trying to watch Kurt." Uh, Mr. Perfect matches, and you know he's fighting Flair, so and that was already on my list too, I believe. So it was like, you know, it's already here. Let's let's continue on. Um, and then I uh, stumbled onto the the collections of Shawn Michaels, and I, I particularly like uh, WrestleMania 25 when he's coming out of the ceiling and he's you know mm-hmm. the all white on, and, and you know he comes down and then it goes into you know his regular uh, entrance uh, music and things like that. And I like the the way that they tried to play that the the lightning the light versus the darkness type oh, yeah, yeah. Like, that was really dope to me um, and then you know Russell War 92 um, one of, I'm trying to dwell, dwell more into the Dangerous Alliance more as well and I know that's one of their top matches uh, as a group that they did so that drew me to watch that yeah friend of the show Gene Cross and I believe part of the Talking Madden, talking All This Madness Facebook group is a big fan of them I think yeah, yeah, yeah. He said something about it uh, uh, last week. Even though that was already on my list, he definitely pointed that out. So <laughs> I, definitely have to, I definitely have to watch that match now. Which, uh, did you say it was a Mania 25 match you watched with HBK and The Undertaker? Yeah. Okay. Uh, yeah, that's, oh, that is a great match. Honestly, every, I think every match they had was good. Yeah, I mean, you can't go wrong with those two anymore. No, and a lot of people cite the... Mania 26 matches like their favorite match of all time but I, th- I thought both matches were, were great that they had in back to back Wrestlemania's obviously the Hell in a Cell match that is my favorite match of all time the first ever Hell in a Cell I think the the worst of their matches may have been the, the casket match which actually was the one that put Michaels on the shelf for four years yeah. have you ever watched that one or no? Uh, I'm pretty sure I have it's not like discreetly in my mind right now but I'm I'm pretty sure I've watched it so one of the things that stands out most to me with that is that the the injury where he hurt his back was nothing that you would have even thought was anything serious he was supposed to go over the rope and land flat on his back on the casket yeah. but he overshot it and his back just grazed the edge and just busted up his spine and he was you know not the same for obviously another five years after that um yeah he sold that well though like you definitely couldn't tell like he was you heard him go ah but like yeah but like he definitely sold it well enough where like you couldn't tell he was hurt yeah i feel like he went for at least another 10 minutes after that happened and then went on to hold the belt until mania two and a half three months later where he would eventually lose it to stone cold steve austin and the rest is history uh any last wrestling things before we get to the uh, combat sports section of the show? Uh, nah. Um, you know, if you guys are interested, go check out those matches. Um, you can go on YouTube, Stone Cold Promos. You, you, you'll never go wrong with that. And uh, if you want to see some some good old school, great promos, you can't go wrong with Arn Anderson. You definitely can't go wrong with Flair because nine times out of ten, those two were together. So. <laughs> now, what... Uh... What were your thoughts on UFC 212? I actually didn't watch it. Um, it's just been a busy week. Mm-hmm. 
but uh, I saw the highlights, and I am highly shocked that uh, Aldo got knocked out and beat the way that he, that he did. Surprised me, too. He won the first two rounds. I thought, you know, I don't want to say easily, but there was no debate that he won the first two rounds. Yeah, it was definitely scrappy, those first two rounds. But then, yeah, he just got caught and then just dominated for like two or three straight minutes in the third round. And we've never seen that happen to Jose Aldo, at least not in the last 10 or 12 years. Because even even Connor, and I, I made this point on Falls Count Anywhere, that it's not like Connor just came out and destroyed Jose Aldo. It was like they each threw one punch, one guy's punch got ducked, the other guy's punch landed on the button, and the fight was over. I'm not really even sure how that fight would have played out if it if it didn't end right there. But this was literally like a guy just took Jose Aldo out behind the woodshed, and we've never seen that happen to him before. And I'm really curious where he goes next from here. Uh, do, do you have any thoughts on what's next for Jose Aldo and how long-term of a champion do you see Max Holloway as? Um, well, as far as Max Holloway, it all depends on who he's fighting next um and that will determine my thought of whether i think he's gonna hold the title or lose it um i know there's been a talk that uh jose Aldo has been saying something about playing soccer um so if he retires now or something like that i think that's probably what he's gonna go do he's gonna go play soccer or something like that so um but i mean he's already been kind of like trying to pivot on retirement retiring yeah um and at this point like i mean he doesn't owe the sport anything at this point like so if that's what he wants to go and do he could definitely go and do that i don't think anyone's gonna you know i mean people who love him obviously are going to be upset but i mean you still have your faculties intact um and if that's if you want to go and play soccer dude like you know you, you can go and do that like you have nothing really left to prove do you see him as a viable guy who can contend for a championship or be a champion again? Or do you think he's now kind of fallen to the level of he's better than most guys in the division, but he's not good enough to be a champion? No, he's still, he's, he, he just had the belt. He just lost to Max Holloway. Like, he definitely could be a champion again, like, without a doubt. Like, I don't think anyone would doubt that. Um, he just met two guys who, who had his number. Um, but he definitely could be a champion again. Like, I, I don't doubt that. See, I feel like the miles may have caught up to him. Like he's one of these guys that's fought so much, and like when when it when it goes when the light switch turns off, it typically stays off. And I know he beat Frankie Edgar only a few months ago, but I I wonder. I I don't know if he's still got. I don't know if he's still got the gas in the tank anymore to be a champion. And that's not to doubt him. It's just it happens to everybody. Like, there comes a day, whether you're Chuck Liddell and you're knocking out everyone in the light heavyweight division, one day you just don't have it anymore. And I, I'm, I wonder I wonder if we'll ever see Jose Aldo get back to that level. Or maybe he might have even been broken by what happened with the Conor McGregor thing because that was humiliating for him to lose like that. Uh, I see a point, but, I mean, he, he got back to the title after that. So, like, I don't... I don't think, like, I, it definitely affected him, but I don't think it affected him to the point where, like, he like he couldn't be champion again. But, I mean, this fight was kind of interesting because both guys were kind of being cocky. Both guys were kind of showing off. Mm-hmm. 
And, like, there was a point where Aldo definitely had Holloway, like, looking like he, he had him reeling. So I feel like the fight could have went either way. He just, you know, he happened to be the one who got caught, like, hard first. And, you know, he just didn't recover from it. Well, like, Holloway cap- capitalized on him being on the ground and just, you know, stayed on him. So you think this is more of a case of it was a bad night for Aldo, not really a uh, litmus test on the whole rest of his career? Yeah, I think it was just a bad night. Like, I mean, he he hung in there with him. Like, I think he just happened to get caught. Like, simple and plain. Yeah, I I'd like to see. I don't know. I, a lot of these guys, they get to a certain point. I'm like, you know what? Just hang it up because you know there there's no reason to get yourself hurt. There's no reason to hang on longer than you need to. But obviously, that is solely the choice of these guys who are out there putting it on the line. So I'm I'm curious what we see from Jose Aldo in the future. But I was definitely surprised at the outcome of that fight. I did not see that coming. Yeah, um, I mean, we can Claudia and Carolina. I definitely will not say their last name because I do not want to butcher it. Um, <laughs> that was a little bit. I mean, it wasn't too shocking to me. Um, but you know, it I kind of was rooting for Carolina, but um, you know. Claudia I think it's is it Kovalkiewicz? Sure. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I'm not a close close enough. But um and I think Claudia's last name is Gaudia. That might be it. But I attempted it. There we go. Um but um you know, Claudia's vicious. Uh I was rooting for Carolina myself, so it was, you know, tough to see her get choked out, but you know, it happens. It does. Uh, you, you know nobody wins every fight in MMA, it just doesn't happen. Um, even the legends of the sport, like BJ Penn, a legend of the sport, I believe he's got 11 or 12 losses now. It just happens. Uh, it, like I, I've heard, I believe it's Dana White has said this before. If you're undefeated in mixed martial arts, you just haven't been fighting the right guys. So nobody gets out unscathed in MMA in the long run. Um, I know you said that you've been focused a lot on the ultimate fighter, how has this season been? Coach Dillashaw against Coach Cody Garbrandt. Oh, it's been packed with action, folks. <laughs> oh, it's been a good one. It's been a real uh, lot, a lot of furniture moving this season. <laughs> uh, but uh, I don't know. It's just like it's so it's so packed with 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 feuding because of uh, TJ going with uh, Dwayne Ludwig, mm-hmm. and you know. Uh, uh, Cody and, and Uriah and, and Justin uh, Buckholz, um being there and just kind of like they're always jabbing at each other. Like it's funny because I think uh, I watched uh, episode six and episode seven this past week. Yeah. <clears throat> um, and like I think when it, when when Cody and TJ picked the the wild card match, that's probably the only time that those two have like gotten along the whole season. <laughs> like, like genuinely talked and like not like trying to put hands on each other. Um, but other than that, like it's just like go time. Like anytime those guys are near each other. But um, episode six um wasn't it wasn't even really um it wasn't even uh the the the, the beef in that episode. It wasn't even really started too much by uh, Cody and 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 TJ. More so, like they were kind of like subtly arguing. Yeah. But um, that episode the the biggest blow up was uh between Dwayne Ludwig and Justin Buckholz, um, pretty much got into an argument, um, like, out of nowhere, kind of, um, for me, anyways, <laughs> um, and, uh, 
like just like kind of bickering back and forth, like you know who has a championship fighter, like and Dwayne's like I have TJ, he's like he doesn't have the belt, like you know so uh, and then uh, Buckholes, you know saying to uh, Dwayne like you know let's fight on the prelims, and I'm like uh, that would be interesting because you guys are from two different gyms, like nobody I don't know who really like casually is gonna watch it, but I'd watch it like since you guys are, but I don't know it was just so weird because like. Dwayne was definitely, like, kind of, like, less aggressive. Like, he's just kind of, like... And it's funny, because, like, him and TJ both, like, they're both, like, like that on the show. Like, they're trying to, like, they're not... They're, like, not the aggressors, but, like... I don't know. They, like, they they get under the... the, the uh, yeah. and <laughs> Like, they get under their skin by not being the aggressors, like, by not being aggressive. So, it's just, like, the funniest thing on Earth. But, um... The argument between those two uh, led to, you know, Cody and TJ. Um... um Cody arguing with TJ and Dwayne, um, and, and trying to get them uh, to fight, and um, pretty much just Cody just ends up going off like twice. Like he tries to uh, get to him at one point, then he leaves the room, and then uh, J- Justin Buckholes and Dwayne Ludwig like they're talking again, and like it kind of gets a little weird. And then like you just see Cody shoot from out of nowhere into the scene, like and just trying to get around guys and get to Dwayne Ludwig again, like and trying to fight again, like. <laughs> like like Cody just like wants blood at this point. Like he just he, he just wants to attack both guys. Like he's just like strongly like irritated by them and like just pissed off that they that they left the, their uh, their camp. Yeah. Um. But the match uh, for episode twenty six was Ram- uh, Ramsey Nijum and uh, Julian Lane. Um. Just uh, get to the basics of that. Uh, Lane started off strong in that fight. Um. <clears throat> he had the guillotine choke in. Um. Obviously, it wasn't tight enough on uh, on Nijum. Um. And he didn't tap. Um, he eventually got out, um, got the takedown. Um, Nijum got a little ground and pound in on Lane, um, and he knocked his mouth guard out. And the ref called the fight once he knocked his mouth guard out. Um, even though, uh, you know, uh, uh, Julian's like, "I'm here, I'm here, I'm here," but he's saying that, and uh, when he hit him and knocked out his his mouth guard, so I don't know. I mean, I guess the ref was like, you know, he just called the fight, yeah. which I think he should have just let him go. Cause like the dude saying like I'm here like I'm coherent like let let us fight, and the ref just called the fight. Um, what did Dana and, you know, say afterward? Um, I don't remember what Dana said honestly, but I know like Cody was you know pissed. He was like you know this dude like he's coherent. He's saying I'm here like let him fight like they should, should let them fight. Yeah. Like, they should be fighting. Um, and I felt the same way like you know what I mean like the dude saying like I'm here I'm coherent like let me fight like I'm 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 here. So I feel like he he should have let them fight. Like I feel like that would stop. <laughs> like, like very premature, super prematurely, but that's been obviously a thing going on in the UFC lately, like premature fight stoppages. I know Brendan Schaub would have something to say about that because he still complains that his fight was stopped early against uh, Travis Brown. He says he was telling the ref he was fine, the ref stopped it anyway. I know Joe Rogan vehemently disagreed with him that that fight should have been stopped. But uh, does Team Garbrandt have a win yet? Uh, yeah, the, the um, well... Great uh, segue in episode seven. <laughs> um, we got Justin Edwards versus uh, Joe Joe Daddy Stevenson. Um, who, if you Joe Daddy's about, on this season? Yeah. Wow. Yeah. So um, yeah, he's definitely on this season. Um, he uh, for those of you who don't know, he's a winner of season two. Um, he won a bunch of fights coming into the UFC. Fought BJ Penn uh, for the lightweight title. Uh, lost by a vicious submission. Uh-huh. Uh, yeah. Guillotine, I believe. What, right? what are the, it was no, it was a uh, rear naked choke, but rear one of the bloodiest choke. fights you'll ever see. Yeah, so uh, um, he lost four fights after that. Kind of, uh, I guess, uh, 
got onto the bottle a little bit and kind of went downhill from there. Ended up uh, leaving the UFC. Um, but uh, Edwards definitely seemed to, to to dominate more of the fight to me, landing more of the significant strikes. Um, uh, Joe Daddy hung in there, but um, he didn't really show much magic. He didn't really show like he definitely hung in there. So I think that's something big. But like he didn't show anything like significant to me. Yeah. Um, Edwards had him in a guillotine. Um, you know, Joe Daddy fought it off, um, but he didn't do much afterwards. Um, and he, lo- he ended up losing the fight. Um, I mean, to me, he lost it handily. Like, he, he didn't really show a lot. Um, only, but he did show that he could still hang in there, at least, um, in a fight. So, I mean, I give him that. Um, but uh, afterwards, um, TJ and Cody, like, they, they, like I said, they had the most subtle um, conversation going into the wild card <laughs> fight. Which was very different from what we've seen from them, those two, the whole season. Um, but um, they ended up choosing uh, Hater Hassan and uh, Joe Daddy to fight for the wild card. So Joe Daddy has another opportunity, um, and we'll see what happens in uh, episode eight of the Ultimate Fighter. You think Joe Daddy's got a chance, or you think he's done? I don't know. Like, I mean, it's funny because I couldn't really tell. Like after the fight, like Cody's like, "Man, you're gonna get him hurt, man." Like, like you know, he just fought like. You know, 16s, that's not enough recovery time. Like, you just were in a fight, and it's pretty bad. And, you know, this guy, like, he hits really hard, man. Like, TJ, like, that's selfish. Like, you're going to get him hurt. And I'm like, I can't tell if he's being serious or if he's, like, like kind of, like, playing him. Like, yeah. trying to, like, so it's, like, it's kind of hard. To, like, you get, like he's talking in a sincere, sincere voice, but it's, like, it's one of those things where it's, like, I don't know if you're really being sincere right now with what you're saying. Like, I don't yeah, know like, like he, it could be some gamesmanship, but my, my guess is... It's probably, as a guy who is a fighter, it's probably concern for the guy knowing what actually happens in there. Yeah, Joe Daddy's he's on the other you know side of, of youth at this point, I would, I would believe. Yeah, he's he, another he guy that's got a ton of mileage on him. Yeah, he's definitely older. So, um, But it was just hilarious because like, Cody's like, yo, man, like, you know, you just fought, like, you know, six to eight is going to be. I'm like, I can't tell Cody being serious or if he's like, if he's like kind of laughing in the back of his head about this, like I don't, like, I don't know. But we'll see what happens after episode eight. Yeah, I, I, it's another show that I kind of want to get catch up on because I've I've only seen the one episode, and uh, it does seem like it's a fun season. I've heard a lot of buzz about it. So now, does it take anything away from the show that these two coaches are not fighting after? Not at all. It's just it's just going to continue to to add to it, especially now that we know that they're not going to fight. But, I mean, I don't know. It all depends. But, I, I mean, if you're watching the show and if you uh, are a continuous watcher of the UFC and paying attention to what's going on, like, that, that fight isn't going to lose any steam. Like, they're going to do stuff to keep it going, like, regardless. Like, so it, it, it's definitely worth the wait. How long is Garbrandt on the shelf for? Have they said or not really? Um, haven't, I haven't read much into it, but um, I would think – he should be good to go by the end of the year sometime, uh, if at, at longest. Um, but um, I don't know. Uh, I would hope to see it at least like by September, October. Yeah, I'm but, curious. Um, now, do you think – so we, we've heard rumors that TJ Dillashaw was angling for a drop in weight to face arguably the most dominant champion in UFC, Demetrius Johnson, Mighty Mouse – Apparently, DJ decided to opt out of that fight. 
and Dillashaw is not too happy with his decision making. What what do you think? Do you think it's a fight DJ should have taken, or do you think he should have said, "Look, he's not in my division. I should fight the next contender who's already already been talked about as my next opponent." I mean, it would have been a good name for DJ to fight, um, and if you know if he beat, had he beat him, it definitely would have been a big statement fight for for DJ. Um, but at the same time, like him not taking the fight, like uh, it doesn't really do any you know harm to him either. Not at least not in my opinion, like because he's not in his division. Um, and I mean, either way, like I mean, people can argue that you know uh, whatever, like it's a bad thing. But I don't really see it as a bad thing. Like he, he, I feel like he's entitled to say no. I don't want to take the fight. <laughs> yeah, I, I kind of assumed he would. Now, the only reason I could think that he might not, and I believe there probably are stories as to why he didn't take this fight, my guess is he's probably not being offered the money he feels he deserves for it. Probably not. Um, and, I mean, he's entitled to that, too. Like, he's the, probably the most dominant champion there, um, next uh, him and Joanna. Um <clears throat> So, I feel like, you know, that probably is his, uh, you know, but I feel like, I mean, him going against TJ, like, he's going to make more than he normally makes. Um, he probably won't crack the the sky with it, but, you know, he'll make somewhere near it. Yeah, uh, I think Dillashaw is probably going to do some talking in hopes of getting that fight because that's probably the biggest fight he can get at the moment. But ultimately, DJ's the champion. I feel like it's up to him to call his shots. So I'm curious what happens with it. I don't know if the book is completely closed on it. And Dana will probably push for it because that is a bigger name fight. And they're losing a big fight by Garbrandt having to drop out. But only time will tell with that. Uh, What's coming up for UFC? Like, I I typically don't even know these things are happening until, like, the week of. Um, I just know, like, um, they're... Right now, they're promoting a lot of the uh, up-and-coming summer stuff. I know uh, John Jones and uh, Cormier is on the board. I know that's uh, July, right? Uh, yeah, I believe so. Um, what's her name? I'm trying to think of her name. Uh, dang, I can't think of her name right now. Um, the one who beat the random. Oh, Not Holly Holm. Not Holly Holm. Holly Holm is fighting this summer. She's fighting Beth uh, Betch Cohea. That's going to be a good one. Um, oh, uh, um, why can't uh, I what think is her, of name? her name right now? It is uh, Amanda Nunez. Yes. Sorry, folks. Um, Amanda Nunez. She's fighting. Uh, I forgot who she's fighting, but she's fighting. Um, and that's going to be a good one too because the person she's fighting, she's already beat her. Um, so that's interesting there and in the press conference she actually like like uh uh nudged her face like mm-hmm. you know how they do the you know the face off kind of thing yeah she actually like like mushed her like with her with her fist <laughs> so i don't know like i like how nunya is like kind of being heelish right now like it's it's, it's it's working it's doing it for me at least um i like it um you know Cormier and John Jones, they they do the typical thing that they do. They're bickering and not really bickering. They were more subtle this time, but you know, doing the antics and such. 
Um, but <clears throat> the the fight, I'm, I'm, I mean, that's obviously the biggest fight to look forward to, but I'm also looking forward to Holly Holm and Beth Correa. That's going to be really good. I would assume that Holly is going to get her out of there. I'm, I'm predicting a first-round finish for Holly in that fight. And uh... I'm hoping... I know you're not going to like this, but I'm really hoping DC gets back that win over John Jones. Now, at this point, I'm I'm hoping for it too. I feel like really John you Jones, you turn the corner. Yeah, I feel like Jones needs to be a humble man. Um, I don't know, and I, I'm kind of one of those people who feel like, I mean, obviously it's the money fight. We didn't get it at 200, so mm-hmm. it makes sense to do it. But at the same time, I feel like. I would want to see Jones go against Gustafson to get to Cormier, or I would have rather seen Jones go against Humble to get to Cormier. Um, but, I mean, Cormier is so adamant about fighting John Jones, and we already didn't get it at 200, so I can I definitely see the sense in them doing this fight now. Do you ever watch those uh, Dana White, like, I don't remember, know what he calls them, like the little video blogs he does during fight weeks? No, nah, I watch in, uh, Embedded, and I watch, uh, what's the other thing? There's something else that they do that's on YouTube. I watch those things. I don't really watch much stuff with Dana in it too much. So, now, I've already told you my fandom for Daniel Cormier. One, I think he's a great fighter. I think he's a hard worker. I think he takes it very seriously. Obviously, you could tell that by how good he is in the octagon, by the level of knowledge he has as an analyst, but he always will have a special place for me because of the way he marked out when Seth Rollins cashed in uh, at WrestleMania 31. And I love that he actually had his own replica WWE championship belt in the stands. Like, this is a legit UFC champion with his own WWE replica belt. Um, So I've always been on his side since then, and also it bothered me just that the fans hate on him so much. But if you if you and you may want to go back, I believe it was UFC 200. They they showed when Dana broke the news to Cormier that Jones failed the drug test, and he he wouldn't be able to fight. Excuse me, and he was devastated. So I know that there is nothing Cormier wants more than to get an opportunity to get this win back. He says he let his emotions get the best of him. He said he didn't fight his fight against John Jones the first time. And he believes if he can go in there and keep himself under control, he can win this fight. I'm not sure how, because I haven't seen anybody uh, go go. I mean, Alexander Gustafson was the person that probably fought him the toughest. But I don't know. I, I just don't see how Cormier wins this as badly as I would like to see him do it. Do you see an avenue for him to win? Uh, if he's able to get. John Jones on the ground and able to, you know, keep him there. There's a possibility. As far as standing up goes, no. I, I kind of feel stand up. I don't see it. The yeah, the only thing I could see, and and you know what, maybe the other thing that may play into it is, Jones has been out of the octagon for a while. None of us really knows how seriously he's taking all of this. He may even be overlooking Cormier. If Cormier can get him into the third, fourth round, you know, he may not have the gas tank to last for a full fight against Cormier, who I know is going to come in motivated and 
in probably the best shape of his life, I would think. Yeah, I mean, yeah, I mean, that's a good point, but that's a, a factor. So we really just kind of have to wait and see what you know, what kind of gas tank he has when we when we see the fight. Hopefully, we see the fight. So you know, let's let's get there first and make sure that John <laughs> Jones is able to fight. I hope he does make it to the fight at the very least. But well, we got just about a month, I believe. I think it's on the July. Is it is it July eighth? Yeah, I believe so. Because last year they supposed to fight July 9th. Um, so it it exactly be like about a year. So yeah, we got just about a month before that fight. I'm looking forward to it. Like you said, biggest fight of the summer. Uh, before we head home on this one, I know you wanted to get into a little bit of boxing. I don't stay up on boxing as much when there's not a fight happening like right now. So. What is it that I should be looking forward to right now? All right, so I have to apologize, ladies and gentlemen. We do have Triple G and uh, and Canelo coming up. That definitely will probably be the biggest fight of the year. But there's another fight that's really big that's going to be really, really good, and that's Andre Ward versus Sergey Kovalev. Too. Last year they fought, I think, in November. Um, uh, definitely had a great fight. Um, Andre Ward probably had the... The, that was Sergey Kovalev was probably Andre's world's toughest opponent, uh, knocking down. Um, Andre uh, Ward recovered and um, debatably had a, a bit better rounds after mm-hmm. being knocked down, which uh, showed a lot to people that you know he's able to take a hard hit and to recover after uh, being knocked down. Um, and he arguably won the fight. Um, and I'm just saying arguably because the, the general consensus is that there's a lot of debates about it. Um, <laughs> Uh, that's just the truth for the matter. Um, yeah. So, um, and it was a different fight for Co- uh, for Kovalev because he usually just mauls his opponents, he knocks people out. Like, so it was different, and a lot of people felt that it was it was different of him because he he knocked Andre Ward down and he didn't finish the fight. He didn't finish him off. So, a lot of people are, are kind of upset that that kind of happened. And, yeah. Um, you know, the decision went to Andre Ward at the end, and you know. Kovalev felt like he got robbed. He felt like, you know, Andre Ward walked away with a title that wasn't his. And this has become a real, real blood feud between these two guys. And um, even with the uh, – the, the they just kicked they, – they're on a press run right now. Um, the, the press uh, run kickoff was just like uh, – it was kind of – it was very subtle, but at the same time, like, uh, on social media and things like that, there's been, like, a lot of, like – um, stuff from, especially from Kovalov, like going at Ward, and um, they have a, a a thing on YouTube right now too, a uh, kind of a special thing, like talking about the the last match and just kind of building up this one, and like all the Kovalov's people, like they're just like upset, they're just pissed, and they're you know Ward took a title that's not his, and he didn't really win the fight, and th- things like that, and Ward just kind of like you know I won the fight, like I got the <laughs> title, it is what it is, I got the decision. <laughs> Which you know, which is true. Like he got decision, he so he wanted to fight, whatever. But um, and I mean, but it's just a mix-up of opinion. Um, for the, as far as the popular opinion, it's a mix-up. Um, it's it's a blood fight, it's a blood feud. Um, and if you guys want to see another great, great boxing fight before uh, Canelo and Triple G, you want to watch Andre Ward and Sergey Kovalev too, June seventeenth. June seventeenth. So we're coming right up on the heels of that one. Uh, Donovan, I believe that was all the topics we had to cover. 
Uh, I guess at this point, it would be the time to go with our very special guest, uh, indie wrestler from the Garden State of New Jersey. Uh, we have Vanity here with us. Vanity, this is Ron. We have Donovan on the line. How are you? Hello. Hi, guys. Thanks for having me. It is our pleasure. Donovan, I have to give all the credit for uh, finding you and getting you on the show. So, Donovan, thank you for that. Yes, yes. No problem. I'm so excited right now. Well, good. (laughs) I I am too. Uh, Vanity, the first thing that I ask anyone who ever comes on this show, because this is, to me, gets at the heart of why we all either watch this or do this, what is it that made you fall in love with wrestling? Um... Well, when I was younger, my Mm -hmm. dad passed away, so my grandpa took that, you know, fatherly role. And every Monday night, I always had chores as a little girl, but (laughs) I would always see my grandpa screaming at the at the TV from, like, my peripherals. And I'm just like, what is this man screaming about? So I put down the dishes, you know, I put away the broom, and he's like, put that stuff away. Come over here. And I'm like, okay. And I see Mick Foley and The Undertaker on top of a steel cage. And everyone everyone was like, everyone in the crowd was like roaring, like going crazy. And I see these rest outside the ring, and Undertaker just chokes slammed McFoley through the cage. And I'm like, what the hell? Like, what's going on here? There's nobody helping this poor man. Like, what's going on? So that, wait, that was your introduction to wrestling? Yeah, yeah. Wow, that's a hell of a way to get started. Yeah. Yeah, and then that was a pay-per-view, actually. It wasn't even a Monday night. So I was just like, what's going on, Grandpa? Asking him so many questions, and he goes, (laughs) But let's find out tomorrow. You know, Raw's going to be on. And I'm like, oh, my God, this is like an ongoing show. Like, And then I was hooked. So the first thing you saw was maybe one of the most iconic things to ever happen in modern wrestling, which was yes. Mick Foley getting slammed through the top of the cell, his tooth hanging out of his nose, and from there you were hooked. I was hooked. I remember going into class the next day. It was a Monday, so it started off the week. Mm-hmm. And I'm telling my friends about, like, oh, my God, there's a show with some guy named Triple H that <laughs> kissed the boss's girl, and her name is Stephanie, and there's Lita, and this team McFree. It sounded like a comic book. And the people, my friends were like, yeah, that's wrestling. You just found that out. Like, and I'm like, oh, I'm in love. <laughs> So you were, like, late to the party compared to your classmates. I was late to the party, but my stepdad, he came into my life when I was, like, seven. And he would say some wrestlers' names, but, like, Andre the Giant. And, of course, I don't know Andre when I was little, so... Yeah. I heard wrestlers' names from my stepdad, but my grandpa got me, like, full-fledged into watching wrestling. And this is another thing that I have to ask before I turn it over to Donovan. So I had I watched it from like the mid '80s through to about 2006 or seven, and then the Heartbreak Kid Shawn Michaels career was winding down. A lot of the guys that I loved from the Attitude Era were kind of fading out, and I felt like yeah. ah, I'm not into this the same anymore. And I stopped watching for six or seven years. The WWE Network came out. I was like ah, ten dollars a month. I could watch any. HBK match, any Macho Man match ever, it's worth $10. And then I got hooked again. Did you ever waver at any point, or have you been hooked from that day? 
No, I did waver. I think I wavered. Uh, my favorite diva was Lita. I hate <laughs> using the word diva, but, you know, my favorite women's wrestler was Lita, number one, and I love China. And after China was, like, done with her time, and then you have Ivory and Jackie, mm-hmm. you don't see them that much. Jazz was there. Mm-hmm. I didn't see her that much. It was Trish Stratus, and Trish is great, but... You know, I wanted to see my eclectic variety of women, <laughs> and they just weren't there anymore. Because, uh-huh. you know, popular demand. Yeah. Which isn't a bad thing, but after Lita retired, I was like, I'm gone. I'm sorry. No. Like, <laughs> so and, you had a similar experience to me. Retired, huh? You had a similar experience to me then. Your favorite left, and then you were done. Yeah, I was like, where do I go from here? Like, what? <laughs> what is life right now? And then the Hardys weren't there that much. And I was just like, all right, it's getting so personal. Mm-hmm. Like, I'm still taking wrestling. Wrestling to me is real. You know, like, I'm on that bandwagon. Even though people might know what we do, but we still put on a show. We still put our bodies through the line. Oh, yeah. But when I found out, like, Alita and Matt broke up, I was taking it real. Like, I, I don't want to see this. And the way that she retired, like, they were just making fun of her and stuff. I was like, all right, I'm going to turn this off. Like, no. (laughs) Now, what was it that got you back on board? I think, wow. All right, this is what happened. Around 2005 or 2006, I moved to Florida. And people down in Florida, I don't know, it's just a different vibe from Jersey. Mm -hmm. And not that many people watched wrestling or i guess i just didn't ask because down there's like very uh preppy you know what i'm saying like <laughs> yeah. very like high men high maintenance <laughs> and here you know we love fights and we love like entertainment and stuff yes so i stopped watching wrestling for years like a long time and when i got back into training when i got into training i started watching it again okay so it was you actually wanting to do it that made you start watching again yeah, I, I had to learn all the artists back then, like, what, four years ago, like, CM Punk. Yeah. I had to know who AJ Lee was. I had to know who Caitlin was, Santino Morella, Ryback. I had to, like, really dig in and know who these people are because that's what everyone's talking about, and I'm just still stuck on the Hardy Boys. <laughs> <laughs> not a bad not yeah. a bad tag team to be, to be hung up on, though. Right. Uh, Donovan, you got anything for Vanity? Yeah, um, uh, uh, you named a lot of wrestlers, so I'm I'm very interested. And we have a thing here at Matt Manis that we typically ask uh, people when they first come on. So I wanted to uh, ask you this question. It may be kind of loaded, even though it doesn't seem very loaded. Um, so you named a lot of people, and I want to know who is your Mount Rushmore of wrestlers? Who like are your your top four favorite people? Okay, I'll give you two boys and two girls. <laughs> that, that um. Wow, I would have to say Jeff Hardy and Stone Cold Steve Austin. Like, I love Stone Cold Steve Austin. I love the ruthless <laughs> attitude. I love the, you know, he has no friends. He, he stands alone. And Jeff Hardy, he seeks thrill. You know, like, he takes his body to the line to win a match. <laughs> so that's just amazing. I love them both. We have a friend and you know what? on this network who may disagree with you. Oh, my gosh. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> but if I had to choose another guy on that list, 
It would be Kurt Angle. Oh, that's a good Ooh. one. Okay. I love Kurt Angle. Like I, he is very not. I wouldn't say underrated, but he's not spoken about that much. You know. Mm-hmm. Yeah, definitely. Agree. Yeah. And who and are your two women, girls? Yeah. Um. Yeah, I would have to say Lita too because she was one of the girls that obviously put her body on the line but you know she did a lot of high-flying stuff that women didn't do back then Mm -hmm. besides like sensational sherry (laughs) you see her get on the top turnbuckle and like whack a guy down with her slipper (laughs) but lita went lita was the one that like really broke that mold of so did china you know with the bodybuilding the Mm -hmm. looks the red hair the tattoos not your average playboy bunny yeah (laughs) (laughs) and my other woman i would have to say jazz Jazz and Jacqueline, I don't know. There's just something about them I really love. Now, so one of my other questions to you is, you you have, from watching your matches, um, you have like a very physical style and a very vocal style. Um, And I find that interesting because a lot of people in the ring are not vocal. They may not be making much noise when they're in there. And like you, you let the fans know that you're in there that something hurts, that you're hurting someone else. Were there any influences you had for your style in the ring and the type of character that you like to portray? Oh, good question. Um, the style I like to portray is, I, I, I can't even put a name on it. Like, I guess technical. Mm-hmm. Like, if something hurts, uh, of course I'm trying to tell the fans, like, yo, they <laughs> got me. They one up me a little, and I have to one-up them a thousand times more. But it's a fight. And, you know, of course I'm going to try to, like, make you guys understand my pain or, like, what I'm going through because that's my job. Yeah. And, oh, man, uh, Stone Cold Steve Austin. I like that my character, I try to portray him a, a lot because, you know, in any fight, it's only you. So you don't got no friends. There's, there's one woman gang. That's it. <laughs> and... I would have to say a lot of 80s, 80s technical wrestling. Uh, how can I say? Um, Sergeant Slaughter. I watch a lot of Sergeant Slaughter. Uh, Roddy Roddy Piper. How technical they were. and how, You just take things slow and methodical. Wrestling doesn't have to be so fast. It doesn't have to be so slow. Just put what you got together and make it work, you know? Yeah, a lot of your matches are very well paced. Thank you. <laughs> and I love to work with somebody that loves to wrestle. So if they're doing Lucha Libre, I'll add in my brawlingness and my vocal <laughs> stuff when I, you know, when I need to. Um, I love working with different types of wrestling. you got brawlers. You have technical people. You have high flyers. You have luchadors. And it goes on from there. So you're into the whole ass. So th- you just said something that's probably the thing I'm most passionate about about wrestling is that there's so many different styles. There's so many different characters. Everybody who watches it is watching from a different point of view with a totally different life experience. And nobody watches it in the exact same way. So there's no limit yeah. to how many different things you can actually do in the ring with all these different styles. So that's kind of what it sounds like you're trying to portray in there is there's no one way for you to go about having a match. You can do it any number of ways. That's right. It's just like... It's just like a game, like Mortal Kombat. You're going to have different characters, different uh, 
emotions, feelings, and what do you want to do next? Or you know what I'm saying? Yeah. So you got to one up <laughs> your opponent because it is a fight out there. And you know what, guys? Women's wrestling is real. Like <laughs> it's more real than ever because women women have one spot on the card unless it's an all women show. But women have one spot on the card, so you know they're going to bring out their best. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. Oh, go ahead, Donovan. I'm sorry. No, I was just agreeing with her. Yeah, and I, I told her, uh, you know, previous to us uh, starting to record, like, we're, we're both enthusiasts for women's wrestling. So, you know, especially uh, being on our show, being the first woman that we've had on the network that um, that's uh, uh, wrestling right now, it's definitely a big deal for us. Um so I just wanted to ask, um, like, like, uh, what, like, like, how long have you been wrestling, for starters? I've been wrestling. I've been training and wrestling for four years, like straight. Once I got to training, I started training with a school called Pro Wrestling Syndicate, but it's now called, now it's called Wrestle Pro. I've been training with them for four years, and literally three months later, they're like, hey, you want to get in the ring and have a show? And I was like, no, I am not ready. <laughs> and they're like, and then a week later, they're like, too bad, you're on the banner. And I'm like, oh, my God. <laughs> so, three months? <laughs> so, yeah, three months. Actually, it was two months in. Wow. I said no, and then a couple weeks later, like literally three weeks later, they were just like, "All right, well, too bad. You're on the banner. You're on the banner. We need a girl, and you got to get out there." So, I did what I had to do. I showed up to practice all the time. I got gear made. I, of course, your family's going to be screaming in the crowd. I got my whole family to come. <laughs> and the boys, like I was the first girl in that school, so the boys, you know, they're watching the match. Like, oh, are you you good? It was an all women show. So it was like a women's division for them. So they're like, you good? It's your first match. The guys already are experienced. <laughs> and I'm just like, yeah, I'm good. I'm good. And then two seconds later, I'm sweating in the corner. about to pass out. <laughs> yeah, how did your first match go? What was that experience like? Especially being that you probably didn't feel 100% prepared for it. I wasn't 100% prepared, but I learned so much like what to do, how to act with your workers, how to be professional, what not to do. Mm -hmm. I learned so much that first show because I've never went to an indie wrestling show before. Like I was, I was introduced to indie wrestling the first day I went to training. I was like, you guys have <laughs> local shows? Really? The old WWE stars come in? And they're like, what is this girl on? Like, yes. So you were like and a little I'll bit of a fan story. too. Yeah, and I was like, we do this at the school? They're like, yeah, you know, you got to showcase the the students. I was so lost. It was so funny. By my second match, which was like two months after, mm -hmm. I was like, I was more comfortable being out there. So it was you weird. I was more comfortable. <laughs> so it was like a big jump from your first match to your second match and how ready you were. Yeah, like the first match, of course you're not prepared already mm -hmm. but by the second match i was more comfortable with the crowd i was cutting a promo in the ring like nobody's business <laughs> i just grabbed the mic and just started wailing at people and i was like yeah this is what i want to do with the rest of my life i love it <laughs> so was that oh go ahead donovan i'm sorry what like is there a definitive thing that made you start like wrestling like was it just like you know 
I really want to do this or was just like, you know, I have the time, I'm interested, uh, I want to see, you know, just try it out? Yeah, um, I was actually taking classes at some college and I was taking a speech class and the professor was like, all right, guys, whip out a, pa- a piece of your paper and uh, jot down five things that you want to talk about because we're not going to do speeches about stuff like objects I'm just going to give you. You're going to talk about stuff that you love. He was an <laughs> awesome speech teacher, and literally everything was like wrestling, lead and hardy boys, nutrition, gym, and he's like, wow. who? What guy, what guy wrote this down? And I'm like, that's not a guy, that's me. <laughs> and he was like, what? <laughs> so at the end of the, the class, he would put um, – he would put a PowerPoint on, and it would have a picture like Hulk Hogan. I want you to talk about wrestling. Uh, the Hardy Boys and Lita. Why is this your favorite person or character? Like, who are they? So I'd have to talk about them. And at the end of the class, he was like, "Hey, you passed the class." And I'm like, "Yeah, thank you. Bye." <laughs> and he was like, <laughs> "He was like, no, no, no. Sit down for a moment." And I'm like, "All right, what's up?" He's like you have this look about you, your hair, this and that. I think you should go try out for this wrestling thing. And I was like, I paid you this much money to tell me this now? (laughs) I was like, no way. And he goes, no, I think you should really go do it. So that was around my birthday. A week later, Lita was in town at Pro Wrestling Syndicate back then. (laughs) And she was doing some convention. And I passed the doors, and I saw Lita. I saw D'Lo Brown. I saw the Hurricane. <laughs> I saw Matt Hardy. I was like, I was like, wait, Lita and Matt aren't supposed to be at the same place. <laughs> and <laughs> yeah, I was like, something's gonna go down. This person who booked this card is gonna be in trouble. <laughs> but then I got back there. I met Lita, and I found out. That place that I went to, I searched a, a wrestling school, and it was Pro Wrestling Syndicate. I went there, and they're like, yeah, we train girls. Come on through. I went there that night, and I told them, like, yeah, I met Lita, like, a couple weeks ago. Actually, it was in this building. And they're like, yeah, idiot, it's our show. <laughs> like, I was just I, just, I just wasn't even hearing anything. And I started training with Pro Wrestling Syndicate. I was their first girl to, like, you know compete out of the school so that's that's, that's very it's that's very awesome. warm to me <laughs> yeah, that's awesome that's got to be like a, that's kind of a really cool honor to have that you are how many people get to say they were the first to do something and well i mean i'm a first that. on your podcast tonight as a yeah. wrestler, right <laughs> so you're just a, a, this is a long a long string of firsts that you are yeah yeah <laughs> That's like your gimmick, is you're the first one to do a lot of things. Um, you mentioned that you had gear made for your first match. What? Yes. What? How much emphasis do you put on, like, are you designing your own? Are you talking to someone who's helping you design it? Like, what goes into your actual look when you're out there? Um, oh, good question. Well, <laughs> for my first gear, or actually all of my gears, I really just wear something that I'm comfortable with. Mm-hmm. Like, I understand people have, you know, um, characteristics or gimmicks or whatever, but yeah. I feel like I'm sexy already. Like, people are just like, <laughs> vanity, you should be conceited, you should be a bitch. But I'm like, <laughs> I'm vocal out there, and you guys know my attitude. That should be all all there is. Like, like stay so cold. He has just the black trunks and the vest. Yeah. And that's it, you know what I'm saying? So my attitude should be 
more colorful than my gear. Mm-hmm. If that makes sense. That makes yeah. perfect sense. Yeah. Like you don't need uh-huh. you don't need what you look like to make the statement. You're making the statement yourself. Yeah, yeah. I don't want people thinking Vanity's just some prissy girl. Like <laughs> Vanity's nothing. She's like the little Kim. <laughs> like don't mess with her. The Queen Bee. Uh, yeah, Queen Queen V. <laughs> Queen V. Queen V. So, um, I have a question, being that you were talking about your gear. Um, now most women they wear, you know, you know, stuff that kind of reveals a little bit of some things. Um, but I wanted to know, like, do you ever feel like objectified by some people in the crowd sometimes with what you wear? Like, I know you feel comfortable in what you wear, but like sometimes do you feel like you're being objectified by people in the crowd and things? Oh, most definitely. When I first. When I first came out to, with my gear, uh, well, you know, your first match is like the rookie match. You know what I'm saying? Like, it's just the start of everything. But I did get gear done just to try to look professional as much as I can. Mm-hmm. But then um, I started thinking about my character. And I'm like, who are you? You can't just go out to just any normal, you know, any normal uh, outfit. So <laughs> my trainers actually put me with this with this how would i how would i describe his character like a like a pimp club club guy you know what i'm saying (laughs) so then yeah so then i used to come out in a song (laughs) like yeah if you go through my like facebook or Mm -hmm. you know some previous posts you'll see me in like a onesie like a louis vuitton song like i used to be all out there and i wore like fishnets (laughs) Like that's my trade, my trade thing. Like I wore wide diamond fishnets, and people were like, "Who is this Mohawk girl <laughs> with her butt?" You know, like a little revealing, wearing fishnets. But that's what started me. And when I started not valeting anymore and becoming a wrestler, you know, I just put more more clothes on. But I kept the fishnets. I kept the sassiness. <laughs> It's different from going from valet to, like, wrestling. Because, you know, you can't just wrestle in a thong out there. There's little kids. Yeah. And I want to be respectful to everyone. <laughs> I want everyone to see my show. But if I'm valeting and I'm not really doing anything, then I'd rather be more revealing since I'm not moving so much. Right. That's a good That's a good point. Yeah. Um, has there been, like, an evolution in your character at all from the first match to now? Or are you kind of just sticking with the same type of character and just... Like building upon what you already are. Um, I guess I'm building upon what I am because every year's different. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm not so much. I'm I'm getting tested with my with my character. Let's just say that, yeah. <laughs> I'm be, I'm being put in different positions to where I have to translate how I feel, you know, how so. I do this, how I do that. <laughs> So what made you decide to become a heel? Uh, I felt more comfortable. I felt more comfortable being in control and being the bad girl. <laughs> I just love <laughs> being bad. I was just like, okay, if you're going to have a, a, a bad name like Vanity, do you, are you going to be the good person? <laughs> are you going to get knocked down? But d- don't get me wrong. This year I, I am playing the good like I'm playing a baby face this year more. So now I know how to like change gears. Like I can be bad this time, but then I can be really good and stand up for myself this time. Yeah, like when you're like 
in 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 heel mode, like you're very like dastardly. Like you do stuff that like they just tries to like get under people's skin, and it's so hilarious to me because it's like it's like Miz out, like you know you're doing stuff like just like. It's like, oh, my gosh, like, I can't, like, this person's doing this, and it's like, oh, it's, it's, it's just getting under my skin, so, like, I really enjoy that part of uh, of you being a heel. Thank you. It's very fun. It, you, I mean, wrestling can be fun, but you got to know how to, like, play it. When I'm a heel, I love to, like, tick people off and get in their face <laughs> and just, just be ruthless. I always think of Kurt Angle when he says ruthless or, like, ruthless <laughs> aggression. I'm just like, be like Stone Cold, get underneath their skin, wobble your head like he did, you know, <laughs> spit and slobber and like, you know, I don't know. And when you're the good guy, it's not that you can't do that, but you got to switch it up like the good guy and that's it. They're still going to love you. Yeah, you got to do it in a way where people can relate to it, where it's not going to piss them off. Um, yeah. Now, it, so in women's wrestling, you're obviously up and coming and I assume you're in the ring with a lot of women who are also up and coming. So this is kind of a two-part yeah. question. Who is the most experienced person that you've been in the ring with in a match? And what is it like? Is there is there kind of like almost like a fraternity or a sorority type relationship you have with other up-and-coming women? Or is, there, is it kind of like a quiet rivalry? I'm just kind of curious if it's like how the competition is for you with your peers. Um, the most experienced person I've been in the ring with is, I'd have to say Deanna Perrazzo. Oh, wow. Um, yeah, Deanna Perrazzo, and I've been in the ring with Lufisto, but the match with Lufisto was a three-way. Okay. And I learned a lot from Lufisto, but I've only had one match with her. Now, with Deanna, she's, she's been on NXT, mm -hmm. she's traveled the world, been to Japan, Ring of Honor. And she's actually been at WrestlePro also, but we've had a lot of feuds together. And we've been in the ring, like, more times, uh, for me, more times than anyone. So I know her very well. And, yeah, um, backstage, it's not bad backstage. Uh, you know, the momentum's the same as it is in the ring. Mm -hmm. I feel like when you, when you know somebody's, uh, when you know somebody so well, you can take it backstage and, you know, talk to them about this and that. Everything's easy. I, I'm not really, like, a grudge person. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> yeah. Like, yeah, I'm very laid back. But once that bell rings, girl, you better put that hair up and it's time to fight. <laughs> That's it. So I know you That's said it. that. Uh, I know you said what uh, Deanna Perrazzo, like, that was uh... – like one of your uh, best matches, but I also believe, in my personal opinion, that uh, your match uh, with Tess Valentine, who you said you're in a rivalry with, um, I, to me that 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 seemed like it's your most comfortable match, like you like your best match to me. Um, you guys both seem very comfortable with each other. You both moved very like that. Like I've seen you move very fluently, but you've moved like very very fluently with her. Um, so like. Did that rivalry rivalry kind of get booked that way, or did that just kind of naturally happen between you guys? That naturally happened. Oh, Tess Valentine. <laughs> um, that match that's posted on YouTube, uh, that was our first time together in the ring, and people were getting really behind it in the crowd. And we didn't think it was going to be a feud, but our match was actually like the match of the night. Like, it really set set in the tone for the night and um 
That was last year in January, and we're still actually going on with our feud till this day. Yeah, because you guys definitely did like a great job. Like you like keep that going because like it's it's hard to get good feuds that actually go well. So like that's definitely one where I'd I say you guys like definitely. And it wasn't super long of a match, but from what from the duration of what it was, it was definitely good, and you could definitely tell like you guys like work well together. Definitely that match. Um, yeah, it was in Hazleton, Pennsylvania, I believe. Hmm. And uh, after that match, it was actually a three-way between Mandy Leon from Ring of Honor, Tess Valentine, and myself. And I got eliminated. And the third time back, it was, I guess, I think it was the uh, the match where I won my championship at Pro Wrestling Empire against Lufisto, Tess Valentine, and myself. I won it. But, you know, Tess Valentine was still on the roster. She was still, you know, just there. You know what I'm saying? Like, the rivalry was still there. <laughs> and actually, this past this past month, we had a match. We had two matches in one night. And Tess is really getting up there. Like, me and her <laughs> are really getting neck to neck. So the next match that's going to happen, I believe it's in August. And I can't tell you what stipulation it is, but it's going to be big. Oh, so it's definitely a stipulation, though. Yeah, it's going to be a stipulation, but I can't tell you which one. Okay, so we have to wait to find that out. Yes, you got to wait for the juice. So you're you're leaving us with with a cliffhanger for your for your next match with Tess. Uh, Now, is there any chance? Could you see you two in like 15 years being almost the uh, equivalent of like Sami Zayn and? Kevin Owens, who people will say, oh, these guys have been going at it for 15 years before they even got to WWE. Like, can you see that being like a career-long feud uh, that you have? Yeah, I, I see that with a lot of the girls, actually, because I'm just like, all right, if we have, if we live close or around each other mm-hmm. and we're in the same ring most of the time and we know each other so well, we can bring this everywhere, like... Your chemistry, my chemistry, you know what I do, I know what you do. We can bring this worldwide. <laughs> like, like, let's do it. Let's bring it to space. <laughs> <laughs> so speaking of worldwide, what is the furthest distance you've traveled for a match? Oh, for a match? Well, I would say oh, Ohio? Yeah. Ohio. So you've, go, you've Ohio. been to the Midwest. Yes. For Absolute Intense Wrestling, AIW. Okay. And, um... The farthest I've been, but I valeted. I was part of the match, though. I would say Florida, uh, WrestleCon, around, like, WrestleMania weekend. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Oh, that's awesome. Now, I know Donovan has some more specific questions for you. Uh, the The next thing I was going to ask, and you kind of alluded to this a little earlier on, but obviously your introduction into wrestling was WWE. And then you said you kind of fell off after uh, Lita retired. When you got into this business, what was like the most eye-opening thing about the independent wrestling scene? Because it is a very different product from what you see every Monday and Tuesday night. Yeah. Um, I would have to say it's, it's different from TV because some wrestling companies can either say what they want. Mm-hmm. Do what they want, as in like, you know, bleed. There's death matches. Uh, there's an all-women's show, like WSU or uh, 
or Woman's Wrestling Revolution, uh, or Shimmer and Shine. Mm-hmm. Every company had something different, and I was just like, wow, that's not something you see on TV. This reminds me of, like, ECW. This is, <laughs> you know, like, I like this. It's a different taste. Yeah, like, I, I pretty much was only a WWE guy until a couple years ago. And I went to a House of Hardcore show, and I was like, oh, my God, I was sitting, I believe, in the first row, maybe the second and I was just thinking, this is so different from what I'm watching on the USA Network or on a pay-per-view. They, I can interact with these guys. If I boo somebody, they can look me right in my face and insult me back. And the people around me can hear it. Uh, I Right. Yeah, it, it's a totally different atmosphere. And I appreciate that you brought up the, the ECW thing. Because there's like a certain feeling there that you don't get in the bigger arenas or on TV. And I assume as a right. talent in the ring... You probably feed off of that energy in those rooms. Yeah, like I love being in front of the fans. Like I feel like when you're when you're televised, it's about the people watching, mm-hmm. more watching, you know. Yeah. But when you're on a independent show, it's like, yo, the fans that are here right now supporting us. <laughs> I mean, we know we have people watching us, but the way that I, I can interact with them or get in their face mm-hmm. or like, you know do whatever right now <laughs> like we could bleed on this show we can cuss or maybe not cuss uh we have more characters that can push their limit as characters instead of you know be limited yeah everything bit. everything has to be okay with the sponsors yeah. and, and things like that it's like a little attitude era <laughs> <laughs> so you're getting to live the attitude era right now yeah <laughs> that, that that's so. awesome so how do you deal with, like, hecklers in the crowd, like, people who, like, are just, you know, trying to be negative or trying to, you know, get under your skin? Like, how do you deal with them? I get under their skin. Like, if they're hollering at me, I'm, I can holler right back at, at you. I can beat up the girl while I'm hollering at you and hollering at the ref. Like, I can multitask. Like, I don't... I, yeah. <laughs> I can do it better. <laughs> Now, um, are you, like, do you have a home promotion, or are you just kind of, like, booking, like, wherever you can? I do have a home promotion. It's with WrestlePro, and they're out of Rawway, New Jersey. Um, once in a while, I'll float around. Like, I've been to Ring of Honor's dojo in Bristol, Pennsylvania. Um, I work for Pro Wrestling Empire which is in Pennsylvania also. Mm-hmm. And I also work for Women's Wrestling Revolution. That's a little tongue twister when you have a tongue <laughs> ring. <laughs> and that is out of Rhode Island. So I have a couple home promotions. Okay. Um, and for, like, your matches, like, do you, like, and this may be personal. If you don't want to answer, that's fine. Um, but uh, do you, like, get paid for all of your matches or, or like, some of your matches, like, you kind of take, like, as, like, opportunities to hone your craft? Um, I do both because once in a while, you know, you can get paid for a booking, but imagine the experience of it. Uh, You know, (laughs) like sometimes it's not all about the booking. Sometimes it's about the experience. And then you think about, hey, is everyone else getting paid? You know what I'm saying? Yeah. (laughs) I like shows where I'm working for free because I'm like, everyone else is working for free and (laughs) they love it just as much as me. So. Let's try to kill this show 
and let's try to get paid next time. You know, <laughs> let's worry about next time. But right now, let's just kill it. Yeah, that's a great attitude to have for it because you're right. What what I'm doing today for free, maybe what I'm doing next month or two months from now for a nice paycheck. Yeah. <laughs> mm-hmm. Um. Now, I'm, like one of the matches, one of the first couple matches that I watched was uh, you versus Katrin and uh, MJ Jenkins. Um, mm-hmm. And I thought it was really dope um, that, you know, all you guys were, you know, African-American or uh, uh, ethnic uh, background. So I wanted to know, like, what were your thoughts like on that match being like all of you in the ring were, you know, people of color wrestling um, and all women? You know, well, with me, I'm very happy that everyone's getting a push. Well, with women's wrestling right now, women's wrestling alone is getting a push. I don't see no color. I just see work, you know what I'm saying? Like, I love working with every woman because it's an opportunity for me to showcase my stuff and to showcase their thing. So I don't really see any color, you know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I don't see color at all. But I'm happy with just women's wrestling alone. Like, it's getting bigger and better every year. So you're actually feeling that in the midst of it, that you you can feel it growing? Yeah. Oh, Yeah. I mean, we just got a woman's money in the bank for uh, WWE, like, last week. So that was pretty dope. <laughs> yeah, that's... I, I wasn't sure if they were ever going to do that. So I'm glad that they, you know, finally... They, they keep talking about the women's revolution and the evolution, and it's cool that they're actually putting actions behind the words, because a lot of times yeah. they just talk. Um, Donovan mentioned Catred, who... I was familiar with her a couple years ago, just seeing her on social media. She's had a lot of, uh, she's posted some videos on YouTube of different promos or some of her character work. I think her character is called the Clockwork Angel or something like that. Um, mm-hmm. What What do you think is the impact that social media has on independent wrestling? And do you try to utilize social media at all to further yourself? Oh, definitely. Uh, Social media is such a good platform to establish yourself or let people know what you're all about. Um, It was pretty hard for me to get on the nick of being, you know, using social media Mm -hmm. so much because I don't. Like, when I use it, I just, like, retweet something or, like, I share something. And then um, when I started training my... My trainer was just like, hey, you don't have a Facebook. And I was like, yeah, I just deleted it last week. And he goes, no, you're going to have to start networking. (laughs) Like, you have to do this, 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 and add these people. And you have to get out there for your your, your own brand. Yeah. So, how are you going to let everyone, how are you going to let everyone know? where you stand or what you're doing, you know? So I was like, oh, all right, let's activate this thing. <laughs> so you got a week a week Facebook free and then right back on it. Yeah, <laughs> I was right back on it. I was putting up uh, wrestling pictures. People were like, who is this person? <laughs> and, you know, you have the people on Twitter that follow you and then unfollow you. Yeah. But it's, it's, it's regular. It's just business. So your where, own business now. where can Donovan and myself and our listeners find you on Twitter? Um, on Twitter and Instagram, okay. my uh, my handle is WrestleBay, W R E S T L E B A E. Wow, that's that's funny because our last episode we actually came up with our ten wrestling bays. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, 
That's cute. I, I hope I was on that list. <laughs> <laughs> well, I I don't believe I knew who you were yet at the time. But if I had to, if I had, I told Donovan my list would be different next time. So the next time we do one, we'll have to see if, if you found a spot on my top ten. But I, I'm very impressed that you got that handle without a number on it. Yeah, no, I had somebody called me Wrestle Bay. Actually, um, a guy from a promotion. I worked for Excellence Pro Wrestling last year. And one of my friends was just like, you wrestle, Bay," And I was like, I am so stealing that. I yeah, want I mean, everybody to, to know. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And I'm like, I want everyone to know when they hear that, they think of me. Yeah, I think that's good. Uh, Donovan, I know, did you have a few more questions? Uh, a couple things. Because I know you have your, uh, your segment you wanted to do at the end. I want to make sure that we we get that in, but I want you to to, to hit on everything you wanted to first. Yeah, just um, just some regular regular stuff, mm-hmm. nothing uh, crazy. Um, this is the, probably the most important question I have on my page. Um, how did you come up with the cookie cutter? <laughs> oh my gosh, uh, I love Goldust, <laughs> and it was uh, Goldust doesn't really do his shattered dreams anymore, which is unfortunate. So, <laughs> yes, it is. So I was just like, what are good, wh- since I'm wrestling more, I started wrestling more like last year, mm-hmm. 2016. So I was like, all right, what are you going to be your moves? What do you like and what, what don't you like in wrestling? So I made a list and I'm just like, nah, I don't need to make a list. I need something vicious. I need something <laughs> like, that's going to be like, oh my gosh, I just can't <laughs> believe she did that to a girl. <laughs> So I was checking Goldust, and he had his shattered dreams, and I was like, all right, I want that, but let me add a little roll to it. Let me add a little a little flair to it. And I was just like, what can we name it? Um, I'm like, I can't name it anything that bad instead yeah. of a, a cookie cutter. I don't want to cut your cookies. Shattered dreams. Yeah, yeah. I'm like, I can't do the shattered dreams. I need something more cute. Mm-hmm. And like me, something me. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, I really tip my hat to you on naming it that because it is the perfect name. Uh, Donovan mentioned it to me before I had even gotten a chance to watch one of your matches, and I was <laughs> laughing without even having seen it. And I uh-huh. think it, I think it's great. I <laughs> I think it's it's obviously a great move as someone who is also a huge fan of Gold Dust. Uh, I think it's mm-hmm. a great move, and just that name for it is unbelievable. Thank you. Yeah, you. You shouting it is it makes it even more. Because you just like, you know, go, cookie cutter. It's like, what is that? And yeah, I, and I had to shout it. I had to shout it out, too, because I'm like, yo, when people know when I say this, they know what's coming. <laughs> yeah, and that's, that's perfect. That's like, yeah, that's like Randy Orton. Before he hits the RKO, he gets down on the floor and starts pounding the floor, and you know it's coming. Yeah. I'm not a big fan of it. <laughs> But um, but, but no, I just think that it's it's definitely like something dope, and it's definitely something that like will tie people into you. Like even if they don't remember, like you know, they see you one match and then they see you again, like they're definitely gonna remember. Oh, that's the cookie cutter girl. Like you know what I mean? Like not that you want them to, you know, associate yeah. you that way, but like it's something that definitely makes your match memorable. By the third match, I'm just like waiting for the spot to say cookie cutter. You know what I mean? So. <laughs> and I'm at home watching, mm. but you know, it was it's definitely like just a, a good spot. Well, Vanity, you just touched on, like, a really interesting point that I think is, a lot of times it might get overlooked, is 
like wrestling fans, a lot of it is repetitive because there are a lot of people that have the same move sets, they have the same, you know, the same sequence to their finish. And it's like, okay, some people might say it's repetitive, but when you're watching it and you know what to expect, it, it leads to some type of anticipation. And I remember back in the Attitude Era watching Raw with college roommates and saying, like, okay, it's going to be a side rush and leg sweep here. It's going to be a sidewalk slam next and then this. And they're like, well, why are you watching this if you know what's coming? It's like, well, I think me knowing it's coming is part of why I'm enjoying it. So you mm-hmm. you giving people that reason to anticipate something you're doing is, like, a really smart thing to do. Like, I, I yeah. wasn't even thinking that way of you yelling cookie cutter as kind of like Randy Orton's, you know, precursor to the RKO. But that really is a... It's a smart touch to put on it. So I commend you Thank for that you. as well. <laughs> Thank you so much. Um, I have a couple match questions. Um, now, mm-hmm. you faced a, a woman named Karen Q. Yes. And you won your match against her with both feet on the ropes. And I wanted to know, like, what was the planning behind that? Because it's very rare that you, you see anyone win with that. That's usually just kind of like a spot in the match. But you actually won a match with that. So I wanted you to kind of, like, elaborate on, like, the planning behind winning with that. Um, I was doing a lot of studying on, on wrestling and, like, you know, how to cheat. I didn't want to just be a heel and get the one, <laughs> two, three. Of course, you're going to have to do something bad in a match or, like, you know, cut someone off real good. But I was just like, no, I want I want the match to be more <laughs> like, oh, I hate this girl. Like, she really got this win. And the match before then, uh, the match before Karen was a match with Deanna Perrazzo. And I believe Deanna won it. And at the end, I took one of her shirts. She usually wears a shirt to the ring and takes it off. And the shirt was actually on the side of the ring. And I threw it in her face. And everyone was like, oh. <laughs> and I was like, oh, my God. I want that reaction again. <laughs> so with Karen's match, with Karen's match, I'm just like, girl, we got to do it. If, if I win, like, I need to do it, like, dirty. And if you win, I need you to do it big, you know, like. It's going to be, she was debuting that night, so I'm like, we just got to do it big. So that night, I'm like, you know what, I'm going to have my foot on the rope, and I'm just going to do it. (laughs) (laughs) And they loved, they hated it, but I loved it. (laughs) Yeah, Yeah, it was definitely different, because you don't see anyone winning with that. Like, it's typically just like a a spot for a heel to do in a match. Mm Mm-hmm. But um, I wanted to know, uh, like, like when you're booking, like, does someone tell you guys, like, how the match is going to be booked, or do you guys kind of collaborate and come up with your own finishes? Um, sometimes they don't tell you, and sometimes they do. Like, sometimes I don't find out who I'm going against before, like, the week of. And I'm an opponent. Like, I like to do my homework. I like to know who I'm going against. I like to, you know, search them up. Are they experienced? Are they not experienced? You know what I'm saying? So I like to know what I'm about to do. But, yeah, I mean, the promoter usually has an idea of what he wants or, like, what he wants his characters to do or not do or what promos to do. And it's our job to, like, put the equation together. And me, I'm crazy. Like, when I get out there, I'm just like, hit me. (laughs) I'm just like, do this. Like, clobber me because I'm so into 80s wrestling and making everything big. 
So when we, when we get out there, I'm like, girl, hit me because I'm going to hit you. I'm definitely going to hit you. <laughs> Whether you want me to or not. <laughs> yeah, and I'm just like, take advantage of the fight because I don't want women's wrestling to just be about looks. We understand who you are. We understand your name. Now show them what you got. Like, hit me. <laughs> yeah. APA like. Go ahead, Ron. Oh, uh, I was just going to say, is there anyone, male or female right now, that is inspiring what you do at all? Is there anybody you're looking at now saying, like, I, I want to be a little more like this, or, oh, I saw this person do this, I could add that to what I'm doing? Um, yeah, you know, the only the people that have been inspiring me all the time, uh, mm-hmm. Gail Kim, I love Gail Kim so much. Very good one. <laughs> <laughs> um, Yes, Gail Kim, Kurt Angle, uh, Goldust. I see a lot of. I watch a lot of old wrestling. So Owen Hart, uh, Stone Cold Steve Austin, and I'm talking about like when he was uh, the King of the Ring type dude, <laughs> and how he used to cut his promos. I take like a little bit. I take like a little bit of everyone and try to just, you know, combine them together. That's funny because earlier in the episode, I was uh, actually talking about uh, this week. I've been watching a lot of Stone Cold promos and just his entrances, and I watched the uh, one, the actual one where the glass actually shatters, but it didn't like <laughs> shatter all the way; like it shattered half the way, and then like he tried to shoulder the rest of it, but like it's only a little bit of it came off. But like he, oh. he just like he just like ran with a lot of things, like stuff that like kind of happened. Like even in that same one, like some like fans were like holding out these like real long like flags or something. He like like mm-hmm. flinched at the flag so that the fans would move it. Like he like he was like excellent with just kind of like rolling with the punches with things like as it happened. And um, we were wow. also talking talking about uh the one with him and Kurt Angle. And, uh, Kurt Angle, uh, he's actually calling out the NWO, and Kurt Angle actually comes out and he's just like trying to get Austin out the ring, and Austin's like throwing beer at them, like literally from the ring, launching the beer up at the. Oh uh, yeah, I remember <laughs> that. <laughs> So just talking about some of the hilarious things, like it's it's got to be like hard to like keep a straight face when doing stuff like that, like especially with Kurt Angle because he's just you know being silly with it. So I, I can know. only imagine like <laughs> like doing stuff like that and like him having to keep like a straight face while doing. Yeah. Oh my gosh, I love those moments in wrestling. Like when you know your opponent's about to like say something. Like when you get out there, you kind of go like off your own like dialogue sometimes, mm-hmm. or you uh, you know you just wing it. Yeah. So sometimes I'd be out there and I'm just like, girl, you better not laugh, because like, you because you know your opponent so well, like Tess or like Diana, and I'm just like, don't laugh. Don't laugh. Or we'll do something and we're like, yes, girl, that was hot. <laughs> but you can't show that remember, you are cheering for it. <laughs> no, yeah. I remember one time I says press, uh, what's his name? Eddie McQueen. Okay. Eddie McQueen is, yes, he's part of the Fella Twins. If you guys don't know the twel- the Fella Twins, look them up. Right. I says right press now. them. Yes. I says pressed him and I started beating him up just like Stone Cold, and he was like, "Yes, girl, yes, yes," and I was just like, "Oh, I was cracking up." I was like, "The fans just roared." They're like, "Yeah, beat him up," but I'm just like cracking up. <laughs> now Donovan has a segment that he has started to close the show with. It's a series of rapid fire questions. Before we get to that, 
the the last thing I personally want to ask you is like what what should we expect from you for this last half of 2017 and into 2018 and beyond? More cookie cutters. More cookies are going to get cut. You definitely know that. You definitely know that. But um, more opponents, more new people, uh, more stipulations, guys. Like, be on the Twitter, be on Instagram. Like, follow me. Even though you don't hear from me, I will pop up somewhere and give you guys the info on what the Wrestle Bay is doing. Yes. All the time. <laughs> is it possible that we could see you at House of Hardcore in August? Possibly. Possibly. If they do have a show and I'm not doing anything, I might see you guys there. Definitely. Oh, so that's a possibility. Yes. <laughs> yeah, it's Philadelphia August 12th. Or you 12th. never know. I could be... Yes, I could... Oh, August 12th. Yes. Oh, my gosh. You know, I have to look at my calendar and see. <laughs> you know you're busy when you say, oh, I'll have to see. <laughs> I think I am. I think. But, you know, I'll be wrestling, though, so I'm yeah. probably cutting a cookie. <laughs> a cookie will be getting cut somewhere while we're at House of Hardcore, whether yes. we see it or not. <laughs> so, um, yeah. I have one last question myself. Um, I watched your match mm-hmm. with uh, Matt Sells and Matty Ice and, uh, versus you and Adam uh, Falcon. Oh, my gosh. Uh, yes. So, um, that's definitely different because, I mean, you're wrestling with three guys and one of them's your partner. Um, and you definitely shine the most in that match. No, no diss to you guys if you happen to watch. Um, I, I mean, listen to the show. Um, so, but, um, how did you feel about that match? Like, especially being that you're the only one in there and, you know, what was the reception from that? Because in my opinion, like, you shined the most in that match. I was shocked when I went there. That was for Excellence for Wrestling, uh, a really good place that I worked for. And... When I looked at the lineup, I was like, oh, you know, they did have a women's match that night, but I was part of the guys, and I'm just <laughs> like, okay. I'm working with Maddie Sells, which he's on the other, on the opponent's team. I've trained with him a couple times, and I'm working with, no, no, wait, Maddie Sells is from Ring of Honor. I'm sorry. Now, Maddie Ice is someone I train with, and my partner is Adam Falcon, a student from House of Glory in New York. And I don't know. I just had to keep up with them. And I had to be vanity, but I was very vocal in that match. I was very, uh, how would I say, hard and stiff. Because I knew these guys are going to be hard and stiff with the only little girl they have. (laughs) So whatever they were giving me, I just had to do ten times bigger and harder. And were they, like, okay with that? Or were they like, oh, we're wrestling with a girl? Like, were they kind of like, you know... No, actually, they took care of me the whole time. They were just like, all right, well, we know what we got to do. No one was selfish that night. They knew that I was, you know, I was going to take the win. They knew how they wanted to reconstruct the match, and all I had to do was, like, listen. You know what I'm saying? Sometimes you just got to shut up and be humble. (laughs) When the guys know what they're doing, I love that because it's like, all right, they're they're caring about me. They're not going to be selfish. They're not going to be this and that. And sometimes you do have those people, but... Come on, you want to be professional. Just get the job done and, you know, just go home. That's it. <laughs> but they were amazing, and they let me whoop their butt. And they whooped my butt, too. <laughs> All right, well, that's the end of what I, like, my my uh, actual question that I had. Ron, did you have anything else before I get into mm-hmm. the... Uh... The rapid fire section. Uh, you're. It's all you to get into the rapid fire. All right. This is the straight fire questions. All right. So, um, pretty much just um, our rapid fire questions, and you choose either or or answer the question. Uh, total honestly, however you feel. All right. 
Are you ready? Uh, yes. All right. So, first question. Hulk Hogan or Ric Flair? Ric Flair. <laughs> uh, you want to expound on why? Um, Ric Flair, uh... I don't know. He just had the pizzazz. Like I connect him with, I connected with him more, and he was just so bad. Like I love <laughs> bad people. I love bad people. Great answer. <laughs> now this next question uh, was very easy for Ron to choose uh, who who he wanted out of this one because he hates one of these guys. So I'll ask you, and we'll see what happens. Uh, Goldberg or Stone Cold? Stone Cold. <laughs> I knew that was going to be easy for her, too. (laughs) Yes, yes. Do you know, every time someone says Stone Cold, it reminds me of when he got on the truck and started, like, spilling all that beer everywhere (laughs) and Vince McMahon's in the ring swimming. Golden moment. Golden moment. Oh, and and when Kurt Angle did it, that one was the golden (laughs) one with the milk. The milk bath. You remember the the got milk ads back then? (laughs) Yes, I do. that was great. (laughs) Next question. NWO or DX? DX. Suck it. <laughs> yes. Thank you. I think we have all the I same love... answers so far. Yeah, yeah. I love X-Pac. He was one of my favorite people. <laughs> Road Dog Jesse James and his braids back then. And I love Badass Billy Gunn. Oh, Badass Billy Gunn <laughs> is someone I really – I can't believe I didn't have him on my list, you know. I'm, I'm ashamed right now. <laughs> well, when you come back on the show, you can feel free to adjust and put Billy Gunn on the list next time. Yes. <laughs> yeah, we, we, we say stuff all the time that we're sure we're going to change the next time. So. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, I'm pretty sure I know the answer to this one, but I'm going to ask it anyway. Trish Stratus or Lita? Oh, Lita. Lita, Lita, <laughs> Lita. But I do give Trish credit, though, because Trish used to be a model. And she didn't get in the ring at all. Lita, before her time, she was in the ring, you know, with ECW, getting down. And then she went to WWE. Now, Trish had to learn and then just get in, you know what I'm saying? So, Mm -hmm. Trish, I give you credit, but Lita all the way. (laughs) All right, uh, next question. Sting or The Undertaker? Oh, oh, man, that's a hard (laughs) one. Why? (laughs) Um... Oh, I can't choose. That's Undertaker. Undertaker. Good I gotta choice. be it. I, I love Undertaker. <laughs> and why Undertaker? Undertaker because um, I I've seen him in every angle. I have seen Sting in every angle too. But I love when Undertaker was the American badass for a little <laughs> bit, like how he brought his wife on. He had the tattoos and Limp Biscuit, like, and then he went back to the Dark Man and. <laughs> He had a father, which was, you know, uh, what was his name again? Uh, Paul Bear. Percy. Yeah, Paul <laughs> Percy Bear. Pringle. And I haven't I heard anyone Percy. call him Percy I on the his show real yet. Name. <laughs> and Kane was his brother. Like, they had, like, a real storyline and the Brothers of Destruction. It was really cool. Yeah. All right, next question. Paul Heyman or Eric Bischoff? Paul Heyman. Thank you. Paul is a genius. I don't know what he does, and I can't wait to meet him if I ever do in life. But he has my life in his hands, you know. Um, but I have met uh, Eric Bischoff. Uh, the place where I'm champion, I'm women's champion at, he comes there a lot. Oh, really? And Yeah, he does. And he has a really good mind, too. Yeah, he's so, a good guy. I'm, 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 a, met him. 
and May. Yeah, but I love Paul Heyman. He's just crazy. I love it. Love it. Love so you it, think love he it. could be your advocate any day? Oh, he definitely. Yes. <laughs> he could walk me to the ring any day. <laughs> I just want him to do my voicemail. Ladies and gentlemen, this is Donovan's phone. <laughs> like, I just want him to do my, my voicemail. <laughs> yes. But um, next question. A uh, person deceased or retired that you wanted to see win a world title but never did? Oh, wow. Um, I, a Luna Vachon. Ooh. Yeah, because, like, she deserved it. I, I think she deserved a title, like, a long title run. Yeah, and, I can say um, as a wow, kid. Wow, good question. <laughs> as a kid, huh? she was the only woman that I actually was, like, a little bit afraid of. Yeah, no, I was too. But then, uh, I don't know. There's something about Luna. I love... I love how she's ruthless. Like mm-hmm. she's a, she is the female version of Gangrel. <laughs> and when I met, when I when I knew the Hardy Boys, they were with Gangrel. Oh yeah, well so, so she yeah her voice or like yeah her voice her haircut like yeah there Everything there was, was different yeah she was terrifying and yeah yeah I, I could I have seen that. her as, as a women's champion. Uh, who yeah. else? What else do you have, Donovan? Uh, Matt Hardy version one or broken Matt Hardy? Broken Matt Hardy, delete <laughs> all the way. The version one, it was it was cute, but like when he started off with like Shannon Moore, it was just like I don't I don't know if he was trying to be annoying or <laughs> you know what I'm saying like version yeah. one. Uh, but I loved it. <laughs> I loved watching him. But broken Matt Hardy, wow, I love it. Love yeah. it. Love it. Love it. Same here. Especially with the hair and the bleach. That's really cool. Uh, Next question. Shooting star press or five-star frog splash? Five-star frog splash. (laughs) And I say the five-star frog splash because when people do the shooting star press, you gotta land it like correctly. I I hate when some people go for a move and they don't land it correctly and it's like damn it's not that they botched it they could have been injured you know what i'm saying yeah Yeah. like Uh, like how brock did it (laughs) (laughs) you're not supposed to land right on your head yeah like he (laughs) facepointed it i was like oh turn off the tv mom (laughs) like you didn't have to see that before bed (laughs) a nice little frog splash would have just done it you know rvd boom Mm -hmm. eddie guerrero yeah kevin owens now yeah, I know, right? Seth Rollins <laughs> does a nice frog splash. Mm-hmm. All right, this is the last question, and it's kind of loaded. If you could build a stable with four wrestlers and a manager, who would you put in it? Oh, wow, good question. Um, do they have to be wrestlers? Uh... I would say no. Yeah, we'll we'll let you do your thing. We'll let you do your thing. Okay. Okay. Yeah, totally up to your creativity. I love rappers. (laughs) I I love rappers. So if I had to have, like, a stable, um, of course, I'd be the girl. Action Bronson would be my manager because he's really good on the mic. Yeah, he's a great talker. Action, yeah. Action Bronson. um, Dang, this is a, a hard one. Wow. 
Another female would probably be Awesome Kong. I need somebody big to have my back, you know, like, I love Awesome Kong from uh, TNA. That's a good one. I like Or Amazing that. Kong. Yeah, I would love for her to manage me or me manage her. So action, <laughs> we have Awesome Kong, and I would say, like, I need, like, a strong guy. <laughs> I need a strong guy. Cedric Alexander from uh, 205 Live. All right, yeah. Ced, getting some love. I like it. So, yeah, Cedric's cool. So it would, this would be the stable that you're in, so Vanity, Action Bronson as the mouthpiece, Awesome Kong, and Cedric Alexander. I like it. I can guarantee you we could do 100 more episodes of this, and I don't think we will ever get that four-person stable again. Well, she has, she has one more. <laughs> oh, it's, as you're right. It's four people, four actual Oh, people. yeah, okay, I do have one more. Um, ooh, who, who am I going to pick? Who am I going to pick? Uh, I'd probably pick Jazz. Jazz is a very strong woman, too. She, I feel like Jazz is like the Luna of of now. Like, even still, Jazz wrestled a couple times, so I love Jazz. <laughs> All right, so we have, as the mouthpiece, Action Bronson. Now, Vanity, are you, like, the headliner of this stable? Yes, I'm definitely the headliner. Okay, Always so me. <laughs> and Awesome <laughs> awesome Kong is right behind me. Mm-hmm. Action Bronson is always on the mic with the... But he's funny. Yeah. He's not He's not a slick talker. Like, all of us can slick talk. He's the funny one, like Enzo Amore. <laughs> like, you know what I'm saying? I do. He's always eating something. And that's the thing, too. When we come down, he always has something in his hand to eat. <laughs> do, you watch, do you watch his Viceland show where he, like, goes to different places and tries the food and stuff? Yes, I do. It's amazing. I love food too. <laughs> uh, it's one of like the most. I, it was him and Eddie Wong. Those are like two of my favorite shows to watch. <laughs> yeah, Eddie Eddie Wong second shout out on this show. Nice. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so Vanity, that is our interview. Is there anything you could plug your social media again? If you have any uh, upcoming dates you want to let people know about, you could a- absolutely get those out. Uh, right now? Yes, definitely. June 9th, you could find me at Warriors of Wrestling in Staten Island. Uh, June 10th, which is Saturday, you can find me at WrestlePro in Keyport, New Jersey. Uh, June 23rd, which is a Friday, you can find me at the Sanctuary Diamonds Division in Hazleton, Pennsylvania. And remember, guys, the Twitter and the Instagram is WrestleBay. Yes, at W-R-E-S-T-L-E-B-A-E. So do us all a favor. Give Vanity a follow on Instagram and Twitter. Vanity, thank you so much for your time tonight. We appreciate it. Thank you for having me, guys. Love you, dolls. Love you, studs. Same to you. We hope to talk to you again in the near future. We look to see what you have in store for us. Cookies being cut all over the Northeast and as far as the Midwest so far. So that is the show. For Vanity, for Donovan the Lowdown Lloyd, I am Ron Pashery. That was The Perfect Edge, and we will see you next time. Top guys and girls, out. They talking all the day, talking all the day. Hop on the top rope, about to land with this elbow. Got him now, put him down right now, hit him with the palm handle. Tuning up the band, y'all don't understand. This is Superman, it's a summer slam. Here we go again, fans mocking man. Man, I hate my balls, shut the Vince McMahon. It ain't safe to land, off the cell. Fans love it, ain't hard to tell. Talking madness, awesome well. What I'm cooking, man, y'all off the smell.